I got a story for you. Just a bunch of local boys through happen chance get together, find out they enjoy creating and playing music together, in large part because one member agreed to a studio being built in his basement. Gotta love fate. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is the cute, quaint corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merchandise you had no idea existed. If we're kind of being honest, and we most of us say we enjoy honesty, you get on the internet, you're hoping to find something cool, original, something you haven't seen before. Well, my friends, the World Wide Web is presenting you with the opportunity of a lifetime. Take it. Go to AndrePsyche.com and view everything that Andre has created. We are talking literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry. Actually, there's even something there that hasn't been created yet, or it will be there. All you've got to do is message Andre because he is a freelance creator extraordinaire, and if you want some customized craft, he'll do it. So go to AndrePsyche.com and just let your spirit guide you. Each and every item is going to have a story behind it that will speak to you. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Can you do us a favor? Answer this question. Have you subscribed to the podcast? If the answer is no, please take a moment and push the subscribe button. It really, 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 really helps our cause. We appreciate the support, and if you have not friended, followed the Getting to Know You pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, please do so. And finally, I think I might just keep keeping the ands in there for emphasis, and you never know when the advertisements will end that way. Finally, we are looking for sponsors. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market in a global capacity, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded in over 20 different countries and the majority, I think it's 39 states at this point, different states in the United. I just like the way that that kind of sounds, sorry. So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, all you have to do is message us. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Trent and the train wreck. Although that may be a bit misleading because we are actually talking to Nick, Mark, and Alex. So should I even ask about Trent? Is that a sore subject? Did the band already break up before <laughs> before we put out the whole thing? <laughs> no, Trenton Gumber, like he's probably he's probably drinking his whiskey down there. 
gotcha. So, yeah, it's just the three of us. We just live in the moment. So, just the train wreck here today. It's, yeah. just, it's just the train wreck. Dude, that's perfect. Fellas, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to let the listeners and everybody get to know you. Um, I, I'm super excited about this whole concept of trying to highlight um, local artists who are trying to not just be cover bands, but also put out their own music. So I'm super excited for people to get to know you and to hear a little bit about your new music that's out. Thanks for having us, man. And so we obviously have to start with, since the train wreck is just there, there has to be a good story behind Trent and the train wreck. (laughs) Has to be something to that. Like, do each of, like, who's the caboose? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I guess that'd be me, right? The bass player's always in the back, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I mean, we... Read a satire story about a girl accidentally sleeping with a bass player one time. <laughs> like the lights were all dark, and it's just like, wait. Once once I started feeling what you could do with your fingers, I was like, I knew I was in the wrong room. <laughs> Not a guitar player. <laughs> your vocals are just off. The way you're. Oh lord, it's already. Yeah, there there it is. How a minute forty seven, and we're already off the rails <laughs> with the train. <laughs> oh man yeah so tell me about the name dude how did you guys get to trent and the train wreck um because we're all kind of a train wreck uh not to speak ill will of trent while he's not here but he's also a freaking train wreck (laughs) um you know and well alex is that the one we're talking about being the caboose the least of the train wrecks out of all of us i'll say uh, probably the most responsible, but we're all you guys are trouble, man. Yeah, we're we're all somewhat of a train wreck. So we just figured, if you know, we'd, we'd make Trent the conductor. <laughs> That's awesome. And every show you make him wear the hat as well, right? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. God, could you imagine how like sticky and stupid that would be? If like you were yeah. those guys trying to live up to the train, like it would almost be um like what's the group of like people who just like an acapella group. Trent and the train wreck, dressed oh, up yeah, as conductors yeah. and shit I, like I that. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm picturing Trent Angus Young from ACDC. Go run on stage with a train whistle. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, yeah, and then it'd be like Christmas every morning where you just had that like floor track, the train going around you guys, like in elaborate kind of ways. Oh Jesus! Actually, so am I making you rethink your stage performance at this? I point? was gonna say. I mean, these are all like, uh, I mean, they're jokes, but I don't know. It could be cool. <laughs> right. train an electric to. train set. <laughs> going right? around a drum set. Dude, I mean that, yeah. And then you get levels of it, right? And then all of a sudden, like you just, there's, I'm picturing pyro with fireworks, with multiple trains, full speed, heading towards each other. That would, and go, that would go great at Irish Eyes and Melton. I'm sure they'd love that. That would be awesome. And then every once in a while, when you guys are feeling it, you just hop on them and try to ride them. <laughs> <laughs> and you go around all He's the tables. Yeah. Actually, that's it, dude. Live show. You just lay the tracks through all the tables. And the whole time you're playing, you're actually on the train. Almost the like whole Nic- stage moves with you. Yes. Almost like Nicole right. is how they have that train track. You just go yeah. in between tables and you offer like serenades in the same manner. Greatest live shows of all time, Motley Crue number one, Trent the Trainwreck number two. Yes. <laughs> We're there. We're there. All right. So I'm claiming that as intellectual property. And since I'm recording this, I have the right 
to recoup. Copywritten right now. If Have your these, people call our people. We got it. <laughs> if these ideas ever come to fruition and make money. Um, and it, it might be kind of, I don't know, it's hard. I've honestly never done, I've had a two-person podcast as far as two guests, but with three people, it is always hard. So the listeners know we don't have any video, so we can't read body language as far as like interjecting. So if we speak over to each other, I'll apologize. But I'm kind of interested in how you guys got together. How What was the formation of Trent and the train wrecks, knowing that your life stories are kind of train wrecks? It's kind of interesting that they would all wreck together in a beautiful <laughs> collision. Is Such that a post? Beautiful way. It, yeah, like yeah, it's a beautiful a collision. Choreographed wreck. <laughs> right? Yeah. How did you guys wind up meeting each other? How did you guys wind up like actually getting serious enough to make original music? Yeah, I, so I used to play, well, with a guy named Bobby Jones in a duo, um, and a few months into that, he knew Alex, and he, uh, or he knew a guy that knew Alex, and called him to jump in so that we could form a full band, and at one point, we needed a guitar player, and Alex is like, oh, my brother's a guitar player, and I think everybody sorely underestimated what kind of a guitar player his brother was. <laughs> we how how good of a guitar player his brother was. So then Nick came and played with us in this old band called Federal Street Band. Uh, and then you know once that kind of went in just a couple different directions, and you know once we weren't playing as much with Federal Street Band, uh, Trent, our other guitar player, uh, him and I talked about just kind of starting our own thing. And naturally, we picked up Alex and Nick as well. So, and as far as where kind of where I came in was, uh, I was on the road for a couple months, and then they were in between guitar players at the time, and uh, so I kind of filled in. We'll call it like a two or three month fill in, and then I had to go back on the road. And then they needed somebody to to play, and then that's when they brought Trent in. So by the time I got back from the road, he was already in Federal Street Band. So every time I come down, we jam together. Which Holy is shit, cool dude. Because, like, I'm not used to playing with guitar players who are that good and that I get along with. Like, we have a great time playing together. It's not competitive <laughs> at all. It's cool. very rare because lead guitar players can be uh, pretty territorial. And, man, oh, Jesus Christ, you guys just made my mind go in eight different directions. But the biggest direction that my mind went is so, Trent and the train wreck. Trent wasn't original. Like, like, Trent was the sub or Trent. Well, booked. So, I'm sorry. Is I'm that sorry. what so happened? That was for federal street band. Yeah. yeah right. No. Yeah. But for federal yeah. street band. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like for some reason that irony is amazing to me. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. He was our, uh, well, so we had one guitar player for a couple months. He quit. We picked up Nick because we needed somebody to fill in. Uh, so Nick, when Nick would get off the road, he would come play with us. Um, and then, you know, obviously, and this was in the springtime, Nick had to go back out on the road. You know, he's normally busier what, in spring and summer. Right? Yeah. And uh, so then we picked up Trent, you know, who you can play pretty damn good. I mean, we're, we're so upset, like whenever, obviously understanding, but whenever Nick would have to go back out on the road, like we would get all upset. And then we pick up Trent. It's like, damn. And then the two of them would play together. It's, it was it was pretty cool. So naturally, when we're starting our own band, that was the direction we went towards. Gotcha. So now we definitely need to put a little spotlight on Nick because 
Um, thanks to some real insider information from an undisclosed source within the band. I won't say who, um, <laughs> it was brought to my attention that Nick's like fucking, oh shit. Nick is legit. Like the dude world tours. Am I correct on that? Or am I, blowing uh, that up? I wouldn't call them world tours. I think I've done probably 13 or 14 U S tours, 13 or 14 U S tours. I think we're up to there at that point. Can are you, yeah. like can you talk about that band you're with? Are you like yeah, absolutely. Are you so like we're a called hired... Brand of Jewels. Uh, it's called J U L E Z. We're a hard rock band from New York City. Um, we've done a lot. Of, we play with a lot of cool people. I mean, we we play with Brett Michaels. We play with Puddle of Mud. We played with uh... Puddle of Mud gets shit on so much, man. I feel like totally. they're solid. And so actually, I've been down that the, road the most again. recent time that Wes had gotten in trouble was he was trying to bring a BB gun onto a plane. It was at LAX. He tried to bring a BB gun onto a commercial flight. Because and why? he was flying out to Texas to start the tour with us. So we ended up doing the first part of the tour without Puddle and Mud. We just ended up playing all the shows without them. <laughs> Which ended up working to our benefit. It was pretty cool. But Dude. yeah. Since then, he then he had to go to jail and like get his life back together, which is awesome. I think he's doing well. But that cover of Nirvana was not good. Dude, yeah. why do you have to bring your own BB gun? Or like, are I they... don't know, man. He was in a bad place. That's all I can say. He was he was uh, not doing well. Man. He's doing a lot better now. Yeah, he's, well, right? yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. nothing bad to say. I'll, man, it's funny. Whatever that like, whatever puddle of mud. Even and I don't know how you guys feel about music. And honestly, my like go to genre would be like '90s gangster rap, West Coast. Okay. Like that's about it for me. And maybe some early '90s, late '80s country that was playing on an american legion jukebox like reba mcintyre garth brooks <laughs> uh, it's still playing on the american legion jukebox. <laughs> no doubt and it still costs a quarter per song and they're actually still records right like they still haven't figured it out and they still have the cigarette machine cigarette vending machine that costs like seven dollars and quarters to get a pack yeah. of like can so we played at the moose a few times but i think they finally took that out of the moose oh, did <laughs> yeah yeah they went smoke for it Good, good for them. You almost have to in this yeah. point, but like that that puddle of mud era. There was a whole era with those guys. Creed, I put into that a little bit. Um, who's the Canadian band that everyone always shits on? Nickelback. Some forty one. Oh no, Nickelback. I was thinking Nickelback. Nickelback. Like I put puddle of mud closer to like the Nickelback era, and yeah. I've I've been recently like re-listening to that stained, and I'm like, dude, that was some solid music. I'm sorry, I, I feel yeah. it was better than like the Haiti eighties hairspray stuff. Totally. Aaron, Aaron Lewis is a, is a good musician, good artist. He uh, runs his mouth a little too much, but as do most artists. You know? I would assume you almost have to. Yeah. So, dude, you're I think on. a lot of people, I think a lot of people do it for ratings and just to cause a stir, but don't really. Oh, clicks. Let the music do the talking. Gotcha. So dude, what do you like a little better? Like, I mean, tours have to be exciting with large stadiums. But also at the same time, there has to be some sort of an intimacy about smaller venues and actually being able to socialize. Or am I totally wrong? Like you just want to be a All right, so I've never played a stadium before. So let's <laughs> let's, uh, let's pump the brakes on Wait, that. Well, what's your definition of a stadium? Or what is the biggest venue? A stadium venue is like, you know, Lincoln Financial, you know, oh, like, okay. like the, the big ones. Uh, we did a couple arenas, which were super cool. Um, really, it's it's the people you play with and the people you play for. So. Uh, I love these guys. Like I love playing with them. They're top-notch musicians. It's a blast. So even if we, even if we're playing in the basement, like it's still a good time if there's nobody there. Um, so 
so it it really depends you know as as long as it's music that i want to play and there's some i mean it certainly helps that there's people there that that appreciate it oh yeah right like and that's something that i've been listening to just different people on podcasts talk about with comedy is you can't do comedy virtually right like it's so hard you get so much energy off of the audience and um I'm wondering about with COVID and you guys trying to play, putting out music and putting it together in a basement versus playing it live. What are the like different experiences like, or how does that, do, do you find yourselves playing better with people or are you able to like focus more? Cause you're not trying to pick up as many chicks when you're out actually playing. <laughs> Cause we all know that's what we got into music. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the that, like, number one reason or am I wrong is, is that? I'm sorry. Was I being stereotypical? I should apologize for my I mean, bias. No, I mean that's, that's the fine. first and second. Like the first time I ever met Maddie, my wife. Well, you know, she's listening to that now. But hey, tell me I'm wrong. The first time I ever met her, I played guitar for her, and now we're married, so that works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to answer your previous question, I mean, you know, there's nothing like getting the energy off off a crowd and and playing to people who really dig your music. I mean, there's nothing really that replaces that. But I think that when you play with people who you truly you truly vibe with, real good players who are fun to play with, like music itself is fun. So yeah, playing right. in a basement with these guys, you know, even if there's no one watching, I mean, just getting to see what what they do or how they react to a new song is 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 exciting and um you know, just just even rehearsing and and trying to hammer out new songs is, is an adventure. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. I think it, it really depends on who you're playing with mm. kind of talking before, but with yeah. this group of guys, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just fun to play music. Dude, I've noticed that. And who was, <laughs> and um, because I think I've met one of you and have not met the other, but I'm believing that I start to have your voices right now at this point. And we're only 14 minutes in. So didn't you met, so you met me at yeah. the parade. Yeah, right. Which, so, by the way, congratulations on all this because I can't tell you how many people come up to me with an idea, like I'm going to do this and yeah, and then they just usually it's like yeah, 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 no, no doubt, dude. Um, and yeah, honestly, and then Mark told me like two weeks later and you started doing it and like it's taken off, like it's awesome. Good yeah, for you, man. Yeah, I'm just it. It's funny because it's the Gen to know you pod, but whatever. I've been pretty amazed with being able to overcome the fact that people think I'm not some like Russian scammer that's just trying to get their voice recorded <laughs> so that I can steal their identity in some way, you know? Getting to know your social security number. <laughs> I've played that stuff so, I mean, yeah, exactly. And people just being like, wait, what do you do? And it's like, I don't know, I just talk to strangers, man. I get to know you, it's humanistic. But I remember that and you were, <laughs> and they're like, no, there's more to it. You're fucking scamming me. I'm like, nah, man, it's, it's that simple. Well, who's been on? Nobody. Can you please be the first? I'm a, I'm alone. I'm alone and desperate. I'll take whoever. <laughs> and then like and then I got to the point where I was like, you know, I kind of need to lie a little bit. So I actually had um Delaware State University's head women's basketball coach on. And he was like my sixth guest. And I'm like, dude, you're way too like, do you know that I'm like I haven't even really published yet? And you're just like coming on the pot. And I was so nervous about it. And the dude wound up talking for an hour and a half. And I'm like, wait, you're just normal. Like talking to people is just a normal thing. Um, but anyway, all that to say, thank you for letting me talk about myself on the getting to know you pod. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a divergence, but I appreciate the love. Um, I am a little bit of a grinder. So 
going back to before I got sidetracked, Alex, you said something about it's kind of rare to like actually vibe or not be competitive with guitar players. And that seems to be a theme, the enjoyment of just being around dudes versus it being like a job almost like it's more of a hangout. Uh, totally. And that was, like I said, that just the weirdest thing. And, and there's a lot of competition, especially when you come to, to top notch musicians, because you're always going to judge yourself based on whoever else is around you, which is, you're going to judge other bands and that kind of stuff. Um, which honestly, as soon as this band was put together and I, I mean, I've only been in Delaware for, for a year, so I'm actually the new guy. Um, and I started playing with them. It was just fun because I don't even think there was a set list. Maybe. No. I think Mark was just kind of like, yeah, we might play these songs. Like, whatever. It'll be fine. Just show up. It'll be a good time. It's the same way he teaches, by the way. Which was super cool. So I came in with kind of no expectations except the fact that obviously I knew these guys. Uh, and, you know, you look over and I don't know what, what key of the song is you just kind of figure it out and then Trent's giving me the nod like hey you take the solo here and we're doing that like you know the first time we've ever played together which usually doesn't happen um, oh. so I think there's a there's a trust between the two of us which is very cool um, that we're going to do the right thing and then not just the two of us kind of all of us which is great right um, so you can ju just kind of let it loose and trust that the person's going to do the right thing and, and play the right part which is cool and this is going to speak to my ignorance of how whatever bands work, but so you hear lead guitar. Is that like an official title? Do you guys actually play with two lead guitars or am we I play just... with two lead guitar players? Yeah. Okay. And how rare would that be? Uh, so the Eagles do that. There's not a lot of bands that do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. Funny. Except if Trent and I are playing in another band, which yeah, wouldn't happen. It's pretty rare to have that yeah. kind of guitar time. Got you. And so yeah, what and what makes it and again my ignorance, like why is it so rare? Because the ego gets involved and you just want to shine, or because the artistic vision doesn't mesh when you're just, just really good. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, what, what you just said is, is right. And there's only so much space in the song. So it uh, comes up with, you know, with the song and it's the chords and the melody and the vocals, which are obviously the most important thing. So it's hard enough just to write one musical part that'll, you know, complement that. That's not going to take away from the vocals. And then we have two guys. So we have to have two guys write parts like that. Um, so it can be a struggle, but it's a give and take where if Trent comes up with something really cool, I'm going to hang back because I don't want to step on his toes and then vice versa. Gotcha. So then it's part of what you guys do, because I know you do do covers, but you also, again, have original music. Are you trying to like take your own twist on the covers or are you just following whatever the pre-written music is for those? Or are you not even talking about that? Are you speaking more about when you're going for like original music? I mean, I was speaking about both. I don't think we've ever properly learned to sing. <laughs> <laughs> we have very original takes on cover music. Uh, I haven't heard half the songs that we actually play. I just know the way we play them. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, Alex will hear a song like two years after we've been playing it. He's like, wow, that song did not sound like what I really imagined. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Like that, that's gotta be so much more enjoyable than just being a copy machine of 
whatever. I, so I was talking to Laura Lee, um, who's with the Trip Fabulous band. That's a cover. And she's been making money on that stuff for 22 years. And it was funny because I cracked a joke at her about Zombie. And she was like, I hate that song. But everyone fucking expects me to play it. Like, I just so loathe it, but I know it has to end the show. And she kind of does it the way it's done because that's how people expect it. So it's really neat that you guys try to put your own twist and spin on cover music that people can jam to, but it's still creative. It's not just a copy. You're not a robot. Yeah, exactly. And part of that, I mean, I don't know. I won't say it's lazy on our part, but we just kind of, you know, we don't take the time to really learn it through and through. What we do is like we know the skeleton of the song and we just build on it ourselves with our own twists. You know, we just don't really take the time to try to learn it the way that it was originally recorded. We'll, we'll, we just kind of just kind of do our own thing with it. And it works. Yeah, right. And so is that more like you just listen to it and you're thinking like, oh, that'd be cool. But you don't actually like get a PDF of the music or you have the PDF and you just start thinking, how would I have done this if I was involved in the creative process of this song? Uh, so I'm sure that Mark's kind of thing is different because he has to learn the lyrics. Um, but oh, as far as you're, you're the telling way that me, I do it. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you're telling me MC Tappan isn't up there freestyling? <laughs> am i in i thought i thought that was all from his soul that has been yeah. no um but as, as far as i'm concerned the way that i work is the song is shown like this is the song that we're going to play uh so you know i'll listen to it probably once or twice and then the first time we play it i'll play it how i have it in my head the right way which then between Trent and I, between everyone else in the band, it just kind of morphs. And then we start just kind of adding one thing and then this part changes and this part changes. And then it naturally becomes this kind of new version of the song. It's still the song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you emphasize different parts and, gotcha. and things like that. At least that, that's how I do it. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I would think the lyrics would ultimately hold the song together. Right. And then you would screw yes. with things like, again, like I know nothing about music, like tempo would be the only thing that I could name, but I'm sure there's others that you can kind of tweak to make it more yours. Yeah. And I mean, that's stuff that we don't intentionally tweak. We just, I mean, what'll happen is it's just a lot of these are songs like the covers that we do are just songs that I've listened to for years and, or a song that I'll hear and I like, and I think people might like to hear if we're playing out somewhere. So I'll learn the song and come to these guys with it and just you know, play it acoustic to them. And, you know, and it'll just turn into something different, you know, it, just naturally. So and, it, it's not intentional that it's going to turn into something different. Yeah, Cause I mean, a lot of times the only time, the only rendition of the song that we've heard is what Mark plays on an acoustic guitar. So the song could sound, you know, have a lot of different lead parts or different parts that we've never even heard. And we kind of just put our own spin on it that ends up, being a slightly original version of cover music. Dude, that sounds so ingenious to me. It's almost like you get a clearer filter of the song and you kind of get to interpret it. I'm naked's the wrong word. I wish I knew like stripped down, right? Without all the extras. And then you guys kind of in your head, I'm sure as you're listening are like, oh man, when this part comes up, I'll blank. That, that seems so neat to me, dude. That's such, is that common? Like, do you think that actually what most, bands who play covers do or do you think they try to keep it kind of tight 
Uh, I mean, it, it depends where they're playing the professionalism, really, I guess. Uh, because okay. right now, I, I don't know, maybe professionalism is the wrong word, but right now we're not getting paid enough money for our shows where we have to have a scripted show, like scripted musically and lyrically. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't know. And that you can probably speak. I mean, some of it depends on the, the sorry, Alex, some of it depends on the audience expectations and some of it depends on the level of musicianship of the players. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're able to kind of improvise, um, you know, really depends on really the, the leeway and the, the creative input that you guys can put into a, uh, a cover song. Right. And dude, I've realized when I asked that, I didn't mean to put you guys in a position to like shit on people who just play covers like as they are. No, not no, not no, saying no, anything's no. wrong with that. Oh, no, you're fine. You know? So I, th- there's kind of different things. So going back to the flooring thing, when I'm out there, you know, we're playing for 45 minutes to an hour. And the job is for those 45 minutes to an hour is just to pummel the audience with like as much excitement as you could build into that kind of set. Um, because you're trying to win over this new audience. Mm. Um, and you have, you know, five to 10 people who know you are, who you are. And then the other couple hundred don't know because they're there to see the headliner and they don't really know who you are. So that's um, a different thing. Nick, I'm sorry. Uh, I think you misspoke. I think you meant to say a couple hundred thousand. A couple hundred thousand, of course. <laughs> oh, God, I'm a stadium fan, of course. Yeah. Exactly. Thank, thanks for correcting me. <laughs> um, but uh, this is cool because, you know, you show up to play and you're playing a place that, you know, they they employ you and and the people coming to the show are your friends and family and your fans. So it's this whole combination of, uh, you know, you're playing, it's this, it's an intimacy that you don't really get. Right. Uh, which we're not going to get unless we're in Southern Delaware. So that, in that regard, I really enjoy it because you don't have to script it. You can kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. And just, just as fun. Dude, you spoke, and that, that was exactly what I was getting at with my stupid arenas versus intimate play with an artist, because I feel like most artists create to get feedback, to understand what the impact is on people. And sure, whatever, like you get a tweet, you get a bunch of likes on a song or something, but it's got to be so through social media, but it's got to be so different when you actually know the people and then see them on like a Tuesday morning, whenever you guys wake up, I imagine that's like three in the afternoon. And <laughs> and like yeah right and you just kind of hear and they talk to you about man the take or the way you went or dude I thought that was really neat how you blanked like that has to be at least I would think more fulfilling from a creative standpoint than getting and maybe I'm wrong than getting whatever a hundred likes or three hundred like streams oh, what wait I shouldn't download like you guys are probably up to like five six thousand streams on your originals now aren't you. I think we're close to 6,000. Yeah. Yeah. The one I saw, and that was just a couple of days ago, you posted 4,500. Yeah. Yeah, man. So and that, I guess that's what I was going for. Like that intimate feel of getting that feedback and feeling that vibe versus the more like commercial feedback of number of streams, number of whatever people in the seats. I've always wondered about how artists balance the love they get on those two metrics. Uh, so real quick, I'll keep this quick, but oh, you I was always- to, I was always told that, you know, if you don't know them personally, don't take it personally, which kind of goes both ways. Mm. Um, So if you get love from people or you get hate from people that you've never met, it's completely different than if you get love or hate from people that you know and that you've grown up with and that you have this relationship with that either want to see you succeed or they want to see you fail. Like there's this whole kind of thing. So, I mean, personally, like 
I mean, I'm sure my brother would say the same thing. Like anytime I do anything musically or basically anything in my life, I, we have a great relationship with our dad and, and our mom. So we're looking for daddy's approval. You know what I mean? Like oh. it's, that's just kind of there. Um, and then you look for the girls. I get something that I think is cool, especially when I was building the studio and like coming up with recordings, the first person I sent it to was my dad. Oh, wow. It's like, how does this sound? So that's just, I assume it's the same with you, Mark. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 If you, get, if you get too caught up with the opinions of people you know you've never met. I mean, it's just, it becomes it becomes exhausting nowadays, especially with social media and the fact that everyone's got a podium. So it, right. it definitely, I mean, you know, we do make music that we hope people enjoy, hundred um, percent. But yeah, I mean, you get different kind of feedback from people that you knew and you grew up with, and people that you know you know will be honest with you. Um, so it's it's a it's a say it's different right and the most fulfilling thing to me anyway is when you know we'll have a lot of people that we know that come to our shows or gigs religiously even when it's not our whole band sometimes just trent and i play together sometimes just trent eric and i play together eric's the drummer um you know sometimes just the three of us play together and there will be a lot of people that we know that'll show up religiously and, you know, sometimes they'll just sneak in for dinner and won't say anything. And they don't even have to necessarily come up and give us their approval. They just continue to come and they continue to show up, which means they enjoy it. And that's really appreciated as well because they don't even go out of their way to, you know, to tell us they enjoy it. They just show up and watch it and, you know, you can see their enjoyment. So that's that's really fulfilling too. You know, it doesn't have to be a like on Facebook. Yeah, right. It doesn't have to be somebody – coming up to you and telling you how great it was or being specific and you know, just people showing up, you know, especially showing up consistently. It's really cool. Right. And, and not, not to be the Debbie downer in any way, but it seems like if you're trying to put out that original stuff and actually, I don't know, let me ask you guys, like is kind of one of the goals of this original music to get, let me just ask then what is the, goal of the original music i don't want to put words i was thinking like to get whatever streams to get some sort of income to be able to tour or to stay local like what's the hope with your original stuff that you're putting out um i mean we will ride it as far as it'll well (laughs) myself at least as far as it would take us you know like we've got i mean obviously you know i'm teaching i have a full-time job have benefits and everything and it's great so it, that's a tough thing to leave alex is a pharmacist he's doing well for himself so i can't speak for him nick plays music already so yeah. I don't so i i think it's it's a combination of two things yeah or, and i didn't mean I, to trap I, you guys like i'm not trying to box you in with anything like no, that no, but no, it's no, something no, 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 it's fine i, I um, love the beauty no. of what you were saying with like it's so personable and you have this like this loyal following but at the same time it's like i'm kind of curious like what is if there is a goal for this original stuff uh so the original goal at least the way that that i see it was um mark writes great songs great songs he's so sensitive it's because he's sensitive sorry are you are you about to trash him is that no 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 no, i was just saying he's so sensitive it's a great quality of his yeah uh, he writes great songs that come they're, they're original sounding to me. Yeah. And certainly I have not heard it all. Uh, but I think I've heard more than most. Um, 
and the fact that I enjoy them and I think they're original um, means that I assume that other people are going to think the same thing. Right. Um, so it was part of he has these songs that need to get recorded, even just for posterity's sake. Just mm. at some point, somebody needs to hear these besides him and his wife gotcha. and us. Um, and then it was the other thing of when I moved down. So my brother bought this amazing house and I wasn't planning on moving down. And I kind of told him like, if you buy a house and I can build a studio and like, I'll move down to Delaware. So of course he <laughs> found this amazing house and this amazing basement. And I was able to build a studio there. So Dude. it was, I think it was a combination of, of we had this kind of abundance of great music that had already been written. And I was building the studio and kind of getting used to it. Um, so there was just this excitement to, yeah, let's record them and see what happens. And that's awesome. Opportunity, but I definitely think that, you know, we're, like Mark said, we're willing to ride these things as, as far as they'll go. I mean, you know, the idea of, of playing music to more and more people is certainly an attractive one to all of us. And we do hope that people enjoy you know, the music that we put out. But it is nice that we enjoy doing it just for the sake of creating the music. Yeah, so I almost felt like that was a purity test on my part, and you guys have passed. You do it for the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's such a great answer, man. Like you're just like, man, we're not trying to fucking have stadiums and all that. Like we just want to make music we enjoy, and if people are into it, let's just see what happens. Like that's that's beautiful. That's organic. That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, we have friends around here, a lot of friends around here, and we're happy to produce music and get their feedback and we really we really want to be successfully locally i will say that's a definite goal for all of us to be a successful local band um i mean i can't i can't even say we've considered more than locally maybe regionally you know it'd be cool to be able to travel on the weekends <laughs> wait so the rumor <laughs> that you guys were going to play with taylor swift in our next global con that was incorrect is it gonna is it gonna be in philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> just philadelphia dc those are our two shows yeah, and then she keeps yeah, going hell yeah yeah we'll be there <laughs> <laughs> alex is probably alex might have to take it off on monday but that's not on it <laughs> would you call in or would you just no show that's the real question <laughs> dude that's awesome and so part of and now here where my mind is going is like it's so cool that you guys have your stuff and your stuff streaming everywhere like i found it on itunes it's on spotify you have three songs out we'll get into them a little later but that's got to make it so much easier the fact that people can listen to the music before they come to see you and now when you play that music it's relatable. They know what's up. They kind of have a memory attached to it or they can vibe with it. They can sing along to it. They know whatever, like when the beat's going to change up in some certain way, that has to be a huge advantage to getting your original stuff out there when you're almost like not battling, but making a playlist with covers because covers everyone knows. So it's easy for people to fall into enjoying a cover. I'm just, it's, I thought it was a great, I don't know, marketing idea to put your stuff out there. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the weirdest part is, it, you know, it, it was such a weird time for us to be able to get our music out there because, you know, the whole, the pandemic, it, it kind of killed our gigs, but it gave us an opportunity to be able to record. So right. the ironic part is we haven't even had our opportunity to play our music in front of people yet. So oh, is that- we haven't, 
Really? You guys yeah. haven't played the original stuff? No, we've, we haven't had the opportunity to. I mean, I think we played oh, right wow. at the very end of, end of our gigs, which was back in February, probably. Yeah. Uh, I think we played one of our originals that we were about to record, which was Sunflower. Uh, we played that. And then that was, you know, it was the first time we'd ever even really played it as a whole band. So we haven't even had the opportunity to play it in front of people yet. So I'm hoping that people get to listen to it and learn them and then we can play them in front of people. But we haven't, we haven't even been on the seat or been able to see a reaction yet. Really. Oh dude, that's got to eat you up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause it was, it was a lot of hard work and obviously it's been very, uh, very satisfying. The response from the people that we know, this response from seeing the people that are listening on Spotify, on Apple Music, Pandora, and everything. But it'll be nice to be able to see it live. Yeah, I bet, dude. What do you picture? Like, what are some of the gimmicky and is gimmicky insulting? I don't mean to be, but what yeah. are some of like the gimmicky things that people will do that you're, or maybe you're hoping they do, or can you even hope, or do you just want it to happen organically? Uh, well, I mean, one song is called Sunflower, so in one part of my mind, I have people just showering up with sunflowers, kind of like roses at the end of a Broadway play. <laughs> but at the same time, another song is called Middle Fingers and Taillights, so I'm just imagining people just playing this off. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, somewhere, in, somewhere in between. Yeah. And so everybody's got to get some sort of filter for their, like, whatever, iPhone um, flashlight so that it actually looks red. Yeah, perfect. Dude, yeah, they'll, or they'll just, it's middle fingers and taillights. They're just going to flip us off and leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just see that they take it literal. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. It happens. So that's how you end the, That's how you end it, right? It's middle fingers and taillights and nobody like sits around for the encore. That's it. Good night. Yeah, yep. There will be no encore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then opening act, opening song is Sunflowers. And as soon as whatever, the lights come on just a bombardment like dodgeball style sunflowers all over raining down like uh, just, yeah just yeah. all right make it happen no. sunflower cannons everywhere <laughs> oh <laughs> dude could you imagine and how many of you guys own like a whatever a button-up mark may a button-up sunflower like printed shirt I have a button-up lemon shirt, a button-up watermelon shirt, kiwis. <laughs> I own all the fruits, but I, I don't have any of the flowers. I, I have a pineapple one. I have a flamingo one. A parrot <laughs> one. That's my favorite. But that's just stupid Hawaiian shirts. We got to get some sunflower shirts. Right. Or do you, like, so does each band member get to pick like, hey, man, today's my night to wear the shorts. All right, what? What does that mean? I get the sunflower headband? All right, fuck. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I really get a sunflower hat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that dude, that yeah, would be awesome. Fair sunflower Converse is trying to wear them every time. Oh, dude, actually, the sunflower chuckers would be really tight. To be honest, would be pretty you. sweet. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, that's Again, actually I speak that's a copyrighted poem. There it is. If if those yeah. fuckers at Converse hear this <laughs> and they take that idea, <laughs> they're listening right now. I know. <laughs> I hope, dude. Yeah. I'd love the idea of a drummer in like that older lady sunflower hat, just <laughs> banging back there. And with that thing just bouncing around and then you throw it out in the audience like that. God, so many possibilities. Only stage show. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if you guys know, really, I wanted you on the pod so I could interview to be like your idea manager to enhance your performances. I'm hoping I'm doing well to just. Oh, you're fantastic. Appreciate that. Where do you see yourself in five years? (laughs) (laughs) How fulfilling is it for you? What's, what's your value add and how many countries are you not allowed in? 
<laughs> Dude, and you guys had brought up COVID and that's something that I, I think most people have thought about, but I don't know if they get to hear as much of from an artist standpoint, especially one that's coming out with new music. What has that? Because you guys, I don't want to say you depend on the income that you make, but it's got to be nice to make some extra income doing something you love. And all that stuff being shut down, man, how's that been impacting you guys and uh, your lives? Uh, I mean, it's it, the extra money on the weekends, definitely nice. Uh, but it's, it's more just affecting our music, you know, the fact that we haven't been able to get together because Alex works in a hospital, you know, he's a pharmacist up at Bay Health in Milford. And for a while we weren't, we had to keep Alex protected because he's on the front lines, you know? So we weren't able to really get together as a band. Um, so, I mean, you know, again, the extra mute, uh, the, or, I'm sorry, the extra cut this part. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets cut, bro. Nothing gets cut. Yeah. yeah. The extra money on the weekends is nice and all, but just the fact that we haven't been able to really get out and play on the weekends is a pain in the ass. Yeah. We're all missing that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? And, I know it's a good time, but is it just musically? So I coach basketball. I'm a huge dude. That's all about reps. I just want reps on reps on reps. And then during the game, I kind of like uh, rely on muscle memory. Like I don't care what you do in the game. If you do what we've been taught in practice, because I feel it just translates. So in my head, if I'm a musician, I'm all about rehearsal time, but I feel like that's not what musicians are all about. I feel like almost part of their rehearsal time is that live time, like you guys were saying, when you just start vibing with each other, you get into whatever flow state. And it's like you've gotten those stage reps taken away from you, which has okay, to- Okay, so I'm gonna, look at, I'm gonna look at this both ways because I coach hockey and I play music. So that was a great analogy. And I'm totally all about reps and reps for sure. Um, but there's also something that you get during a game. Yeah. For example, we're, we're hockey guys. So like if you're vibing with your line, if you wanna say that, and you have a great game, that's going to translate into the next practice because you're riding this high. So true. And you might have developed something. You might have figured something out during the game. Like, hey, we're going to have success with this. Now we're going to get reps in practice doing this. So true. Um, as far as music, I 100% agree with you. Uh, the more time that you play together, the more time that you just spend together is going to translate into music. Uh, even if we're sitting at the bar, you know, just drinking together that personal chemistry does come across. Yes, there's the work of rehearsing 100%. That's a big deal. Um, but just the personal time is big also. Um, so going with the reps, yes. But And then I, I don't view it as different rehearsal versus a show. I think they're the same thing because there's going to be things, all that three-hour show is still three hours of us playing together and playing our instruments. We're still getting better. Huh. Man, yeah, and maybe I'm just overthinking like stage blocking, almost like as an actor. But I'm again, I'm completely ignorant to this thing. But I'm even like in my head thinking of those reps, like, oh, here would be the cool part where I flip my hair back, kind of a thing. Yeah. And then when I say it out loud, I'm like, you're a fucking dork, dude. Nobody does that. <laughs> it's a little nice to take the sunflower uh, old lady hat off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, all right, at the 330 mark, immediately the hat comes off the head. And the more I think about it, like, that's probably not what happens. It's just this vibe you get, this feeling, and you just enjoy it. You just get to ride it, like you guys are saying. 
for sure. And I will say that I never appreciated the importance of reps until I took three months off in a quarantine and tried to remember how to play the songs that we played. Before. Oh my god! Oh yeah. really? The other day we went to do it. Literally what, last night. Whenever the last time we met, never two nights ago, we went to play a warm-up song. We played Tuesday's Mom, which we played a million times, and all of us were screwing up. Mark's forgetting the lyrics. I'm forgetting the licks. The song that we played a million yeah. times together. So yeah, reps matter. Yeah, totally. Dude, that's I would think that would be muscle memory at this point. So it's just but then you think, yeah, yeah. I guess three months those muscles have atrophied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well And then as soon as you screw up one note, then you're thinking about it. And uh, then as soon as you start thinking about it, you're done. And that's another thing too. What and basketball to me seems a little similar to a band where like the spacing and the tempo matter so much. And if like one person jacks up the coordination of four others, no blame or anything like that, but it does, it does have to like, then other people are like, wait, do I slow down? Ooh, do, do I speed up? Do I make mm-hmm. up for it? Do we ignore it? Is that kind of what goes on when um you're like almost relearning how to walk? <laughs> yeah, if it's something like, I mean, generally it doesn't jack everything up until unless Sometimes the tempo can get really jacked up. If, yeah. if it gets really messed up, it, it can it can screw up the whole song. Um, I don't know, again, after we haven't really been able to play for a couple months, it can it can get pretty messed up. But normally we can recover pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, especially you know if we're playing live, then it's all right. Thankfully, we have a solid drummer who can hold it down and you know keep us in line. That is. Well, I mean, we're called Trent the Train Wreck, so we're used to it. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's people just kind of years, years of practice. Yeah. Show up wearing sunflower hats, and people yeah. don't really expect you to be you know, super tight. Super perfect. Um, we definitely have to get you guys in some of those like oversized Jackie O sunflower um, glasses. I feel like that right. would be a great um, value gift for any listeners that want to support the band. Jackie O is freaking hot, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all in on that where you got can you even virtually so if you're if you're having to stay away from people can is there a way to virtually practice or is there just a lag with the internet and the tempo and the sound that make that impossible people have been working on it and uh especially because of this um but it's next to impossible yeah to be able to do it um yeah yeah. And that, it's something it, and I can even notice it in just conversating with people on the lags of things. And I could not imagine with the intricacies of music, how that goes. Have you yeah, guys, it's, it's not really possible, unfortunately. I mean, that's the thing we did. We kind of waited it out. Um, uh, and then whatever, wherever we stand now, as far as COVID goes, I don't know, we, but we've been able to get back together and play a little bit. So that's our goal. We just have to really, play together because even when you try to get back together after three months again it can be tough you have to you know even playing right there in front of each other can be difficult for at least one or two songs <laughs> and you guys are way you're more in the youngins age than i am and i'm wondering have you done any like live shows so you set up a live stream on whatever social media you throw like a virtual tip jar on there and you jam have you done anything like that so we have not, and I'm not saying it's because of my uh, distaste for that, because that's not true. This conversation <laughs> never came up, um, but I saw a lot of people do that, who uh, 
let's just say they weren't really, uh, I don't know. It's a whole different thing. Like I saw a lot of people that I've played music with on the road and stuff like that. And then they try to do it in front of a camera and you take the audience away. And a lot of people just can't, they just don't translate. They, and then it, I don't know. It seems like begging to me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of some people have been able to do a fantastic job of it. Uh, but I think it's few and far between. I think by putting someone in front of a, a webcam, you kind of see their deficiencies way quicker. Oh, really? And, uh, as a, as a, I don't know, as, I don't know, I guess I would consider myself like a professional musician. I'm not really a fan of that. I think either you're ready to do it or you're not. Like you should put the same amount of work into doing that as you would into doing a live show. And I think a lot of people do it kind of just because they're losing money and they want to make some money. They don't really put the work in. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's like taking a zoom class for kids when they like stay in their pajamas and stay in bed. And you're like, bro, you would not act this way if you were in a classroom. Yeah. And, but then also I think the teacher's partly responsible too, because I think you should work on that. We don't slander like, teachers on this podcast. I think you should work on, podcast, on yeah, communicating with people over the web. Before you have a group of 20 people, I think you should try doing it first and see, okay, I'm good at doing this, or oh. man, I really stink at this. I need to practice. That's like, sure, you had to, Mark, you probably had to do a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah. I didn't have to do much. Okay. We we will not slander teachers on this program, young man. Oh, not at all. I will not say that. No, I'm just kidding. I slander them no, all the time. But, but, <laughs> I mean, I feel like yeah. No, but I, I I think you might understand what I'm saying, dude. Hundred percent. Because if it's you're a completely different medium. Hundred percent, dude. And I've I've seen it where like if you don't know, and again, who who knows if listeners care about the intricacies and details of teaching online? But if you haven't practiced how to like even share your screen. Till the first time you have kids in front of you, <laughs> probably yeah, exactly. the wrong time to learn that skill because it's going to yeah. throw the whole vibe off and it completely mm-hmm. kills your your credibility as an informed, in control, educated adult. And you're 100%. like, wait, 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 guys, I don't know how to set up this separate room. Let me and and then it just goes to shit. So yeah. that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So you think bands? And again, I'm not trying to get you to like crap on any bands, but. No, no, you're fine. You're thinking some of I'm, that. I'm perfectly comfortable crapping on people. <laughs> <laughs> I, do it, I do it behind people's backs. Let's just do it on the pod. Yeah. But I hadn't thought of that. But that's probably true. Like when you set up the webcam or you put up your cell phone, you hit Facebook Live or whatever, you haven't actually thought about what are we presenting to the world. You're just exactly. like, let's see what happens. And it's a completely different product. You have no idea how it's going to play, how it's going to sound. And you're just hoping that it's decent yes. and you can get some money. Yeah. No, I, you, you nailed it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, but that, that's what I think, but. Well, you're an, yeah. inf- you're an informed professional and relatively we, informed. Thank you. We value, yeah. we value yeah. those <laughs> insights. dude. I mean, but that's something because I'm sure. And who knows, but like if local people are thinking, Hey man, that's a good thing to do. Maybe I can take advantage of this. Let me set up a, whatever, a six o'clock happy hour. I'm gonna play music. Let me stream stream me live while you and your friends get together, have it in the background. But if they don't actually think it out and they don't do it on like a Tuesday for a closed loop and then see how it goes, like that would be very detrimental. So I think it's a great point to just be like, dude, make sure you're being kind of professional about how you're presenting yourself. Yeah, I mean, and imagine it would be similar to you, you know, you you book your first big client. And you've done zero research on how to do a podcast. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't do that because it's unprofessional. Because what if something goes wrong? Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. 
Yeah. So do you, and it's funny because I remember when COVID first came there, like ABC, NBC, they did all these things with artists in their apartments. Do you guys remember like seeing that? It was like the iHeartRadio or something where yeah. all the famous people, it was like song after song after song. And it was like, yeah. let's fill the time. And I was surprised that it didn't catch on, to be honest with you. I was surprised more concerts weren't like televised or like even pay-per-viewed kind of a thing. And I think kind of what you were getting at is a little bit of an explanation as to why, because it's just not the same. You just can't replicate an audience. Sorry, I've been talking a ton, but this I'll close it here. No, it's um, fine, dude. Talk. I think it, it's tough for it was tough for bands to get together because of COVID. So when you're dealing with professional bands, not everybody lives in Nashville or not everybody lives in London or things uh, like that. So it's tough to get everybody together. So then if you're in the let's say you're in the position of like the Rolling Stones, a gigantically huge band, they're one of the greatest bands ever, right? Yeah. But I don't want to just listen to Mick Jagger sing and play guitar. Yeah. Um, nothing against him, but that's not the Rolling Stones. Right. The Rolling Stones is this whole group. And I think a lot of people miss that. Uh, of You just assume that you're going to put someone with, with, you know, with this big name in front of a camera and expect them to win the audience over when there's no audience. When it's just you playing to the camera, you've got to really be able to offer something that works where it's just you. Um, and Tyra Banks would call that smize where yeah. you smile in your eyes. <laughs> no, it, it was tough. What exactly what you just said, I a hundred percent agree with. And one of the bands that we love whiskey Myers, they did uh, a virtual concert of all of them on the stage together. And it was awesome. They oh. had their sound guy. They just played to an empty room. Okay. And it sounded great. Cause you, and you get to watch, this great band play on the stage together. It right. was so awesome. Well, but that's where my mind went with like the NBA bubble. So I've been watching major league baseball, no fans, NBA basketball, no fans. NFL is going to have no fans if they make it. And I really started thinking like, why aren't bigger audience or bigger artists who do stadiums? Like, why don't you just go to a stadium that's not being used and film you having a concert? And then put that on pay-per-view for whatever, 10 bucks, or you sell it to ABC or Netflix or something like that. Like, I've really wondered why that hasn't been more of a market for COVID, for people at home. I mean, one, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Most, most of the music that I've learned through the years has come from YouTube. I just, you know, I'll, I'll watch whole bands playing songs. I'll watch um, individual artists record their songs. And I, I mean, I love watching that once it's in a controlled environment, again, Facebook live, like Nick said, it can be no pun intended and an utter freaking train wreck. But I mean, I, yeah. I think that'd be a great, great idea yeah, because we're sitting around, we're watching like 2003 college football championship games. Right. Jesus Christ. I would much rather watch Taylor Swift favorite bands today under a controlled environment you know, on a stage with good sound quality and, and aired on ABC. That's a great idea. I, but I don't know. I haven't seen it done. No. Yeah. And, but I, is it not done again? I guess it's just a, whatever, a philosophical or a theory, but like a philosophy, but it's like, is it because music is so, like, there's this ebb and flow between the audience and artist where you just vibe and you almost need that to keep that energy to sustain because like how long is the set for you guys you guys you guys play for what two three hours 
Yeah, a set's normally about an hour. So, you know, our mm. our shows can so we be... we play three of them. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, <laughs> and then we'll play three sets. So, you know, yeah, so playing about an hour, hour and 15 minutes at a time, taking a quick break and then doing another hour, hour 15. Yeah. That that's a long, that's a long time to be sprinting, you know, like, I mean that without an audience giving you some energy, that's a long time to bring it. I would think anyway. Oh, absolutely. Totally. And, but what you said, I think would 100% apply to music because my favorite thing uh, as, as a, like, I love going to live shows. Obviously I love seeing bands. I love that interaction, the audience, I love playing in front of audience, but as a musician, as I said earlier in the pod, uh, some of the more fun times are when it's just us in the basement because it's, mm. you're vibing just with the band and you're not, you're not worrying about putting on a show. You're just having a good time. Um, and a lot of times seeing a band in sound check playing in front of nobody, is the coolest thing ever Oh, that's so because true. you're just watching the interaction between the band. It still sounds good, but you're seeing that organic thing between yeah. the band, uh, which is totally like, you don't need an, if you're a great band, I mean, if you're a band, like you don't need an audience uh, as long as you're having a good time with your bandmates. Dude, you just took me to exactly why if I go to like an NBA game, I try to get there an hour and a half early. Just, just to watch warm-ups and yeah. watch the shoot-around, right? Dude, yeah, and it's got to be the same thing for hockey, right? You just yeah. pick up all these different little things that you're like, oh, shit, that's kind of cool. I had no idea. And yeah. like, I hadn't thought about that with a band warm-up, but that would be so neat to be able to see, just see how they get ready. Yeah, it's fascinating. So yeah. what everything you said, people should have been doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. It's not like I'm a genius or anything, but I'm just so surprised – that like MMA has found a way to make pay-per-view fights and bands can't find a way to make pay-per-view concerts. I'm, I've just been very surprised by that. And I, I've always wondered why, you know, not that you guys have the answers or anything like that. And maybe it's a little dull conversation, but it's more like theoretical. And that's kind of where my mind tends to go because it is a little bit of a market. Like I could see people playing with good production on the background of a tv in your house or in your yard and you're just having drinks with people like socially distanced but you get a little bit of that vibe of live music of energy that you normally I mean, don't get i mean dude do you, you know what twitch is right well that's part of it too that um how so amazing is that that people pay this amount of money to watch one person play a video game so because I, you're because you're watching this person and you're watching their reaction to playing this video game 100 I actually had a professional poker player on the podcast. She has not posted yet, Jillian, and yeah. she got into Twitch and she yeah. was amazed by it. She was like, I can't believe I make $50 an hour every time I log on and people message me about like queen of hearts, play the queen of hearts. And you're yeah. like, and then you can throw up like this. Well, if you donate 10 extra dollars, I will play the queen of hearts next time. And, <laughs> and they do it and they do it. And it would yeah. be like, you know, why don't you play bass with your left hand? And you're like, sure, shoot me a hundred dollars. And it's like, ding, hundred dollars in the Patreon. And you're like, yeah. all right, fuck. And you flip the guitar and you're playing left-handed or whatever. Like, I, I'm just very surprised that that's not a market where video games and sports seem to be eating that market up. You bring up great points. Copyright. And Copyright. Can play the on his head, so that'd be. Funny. I can play behind my head or behind my back. I don't know. I think I've, I've probably suck playing left-handed. 
Yeah, it'd be. I mean, only one way to find out. Tip me a hundred bucks. Let's go. All it takes. What would be the like? So, what if they were like, you know what? Uh, I'll give you two dollars. Like, yeah, I'm a cheap date. I'll take anything. Would you? (laughs) Yeah. That's that's one of the best games um, to play. Is like, what's your price? To do stuff, we don't get into it. It's pretty low. I don't know what it is, but it's probably lower than most. (laughs) Well, let's actually get into the new music. Um, Do do we have a consensus favorite song, or is that like saying one child is your favorite? I don't think there's any consensus. My favorite of the, you know, so we have the three: Sunflower, Snow Angels, and June, and Middle Fingers and Taillights. My favorite of the three is Snow Angels in June. Ah. And I'm I'm a sucker for like the old school Johnny Cash style train beat, and that's I don't know I I, I really like that song for whatever reason. That's that's my own personal favorite. That was yeah, I would say my favorite is probably Sunflower. It's got a really cool musical vibe. It's got a kind of like an Almond Brothers vibe, and the story is just unreal. Mark Rice, incredible lyrics, incredible stories, and you know it's just. I don't know. That's a, that's a really fun song for me to listen to. And does that make Nick have to take the middle finger? Yes, I have to take middle fingers. Or, do, hell, or right? do you actually have a favorite, or you don't well, care? I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, I love. I love. Hey, Earth wasn't in the spot. That's fine. We'll go with it. But I'll talk about middle fingers and tail lights. So we have this extra room in the house where we have like all the acoustic instruments, the banjos and, and the, the cajon and stuff like that. And we just sat around and kind of learned it all at once. And uh, it was like the most organic thing ever. And and I took out a little voice, like I took a voice memo of the song. And basically what you, I mean, I'm not, obviously none of that was, was recorded for real, but all the ideas were there within 10 minutes, which is really awesome. How? Plus, it's just super fun. Dude, so middle fingers and taillights, and me just listening, I got middle fingers and taillights, I wrote Outlaw, Snow Angels in June, Country, Shiloh's Favorite, Sunflower, Whistles, <laughs> and Happy. So the story about the whistle real well, quick. Hold on, wait, was, wait. I, I want to I organize it. Yeah. Can let's, let's go with middle fingers and taillights okay. since we were kind of there because I think you're right, dude. Like that it in in rap the professionals who listen to rap as professionals like me would call it a banger like that seems like a like the audience would just have so much fun with middle fingers and taillights and it seemed like you picked that up pretty quick to be able to on the fly come up with i don't know like music for it that 
Nick called it a banger the first time they ever heard it, actually. Stop. Stop. percent <laughs> true. Stop. It, wow. So that song was written, uh, shit, like, probably nine months or so. Well, I can tell you exactly when. Uh, so, we, I mean, we're, we learned that song. I first came to these guys with that song over the winter time, uh, actually right before COVID, I believe. Right yeah, before the Christmas party. Yeah. Right. No, I, I think, think it might have been after. It was, oh, was it? Yeah, okay. uh, it was right before COVID. And um, so last summer, uh, it was Fourth of July. My wife Maddie and I were sitting around, and we didn't really do anything last Fourth of July, and for whatever reason, and we were sitting around and. Uh, we kind of just sat around and drank and wrote songs all day long. And she finally looked at me and she said, she's like, all your songs are, they're just deep. Like they're really deep. Some of them are kind of <laughs> depressing. So you need to write something like kind of upbeat. So Maddie and I looked, we walked outside in the driveway and the sun was still up and we banged that song out. She helped me write it. We wrote that song in like 15 minutes. Oh, and really? Just wow. to write Finally, like a fun song where the lyrics aren't real in depth, uh, just to write something kind of fun. And these guys took it when I first came to them with it back in you know February or March. They kind of took it and they made it fun musically. And that was the whole idea, bet- you know, behind that song. It wasn't it wasn't to be catchy, um, but it was to it was to be more fun. Yeah. Other, you know, compared to a lot of the other songs that I've written. So and again, I Maddie has half the songwriting credit on that on that song too, uh, but that was the idea behind it. it was to be something fun, something you can jam to, something you can tap your foot along to. Dude, that's kind of interesting to me when you bring up the music later. How do you write a song? And uh, again, I know nothing, man. Like I'm just gonna call it like keep in beat, keep in tempo, keep a rhythm, without actually having the music there do you then adjust it and you're adding words later once people start playing things do you discover oh it'd be cool to insert this instrument at this part uh so what i do is like you know when i write the songs i come up with the bare bones chords like the bare bones the chords the tempo and the words that's my job and then i bring it to nick alex eric trent and they they build it from there. Like I build the foundation. Yeah, it's literally just like a house. Dude. Like I'll pour the foundation, and then they'll throw up the they'll throw up the walls. They'll throw up the roof. They'll build the interior. That's kind of how it works. Um, so it, we all kind of have our place there, and that's what's cool about our. And we all have different influences musically, and. You know, so like to Nick and it. Trent had the idea to do these Eagles type guitar riffs with some of the songs, and Alex throws in like Johnny Cash style bass walks, and Eric throws in like little drum taps and everything that I would have never anticipated. So when I write it, I kind of have, I don't even really have to think about the music. I just write the bare skeleton and the lyrics, and then everybody else builds us builds it from there. It's really cool so why middle fingers and taillights like like i i <laughs> what what message are you sending the youth mark <laughs> not a very good one as a high school teacher i can tell you that yeah i mean the idea is and again like you know it's kind of about my 
marriage, which is really fun. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just kind of ride around and yes, like in the afternoon, sometimes into the night and just, we'll just like drive around and who gives a shit where it takes us. We'll just drive and we'll end up in different towns and it's like, fuck it. Pardon my French. Um, yeah. And we'll just, we'll just drive. So, I mean, the idea that you have the symbolism of the middle finger, it's like, Hey, who, who gives a hell what we're doing? I don't, I don't care where it goes and tail lights. We're just, we're just going wherever. We're that's, just out. Yeah. We're just out. We're, we're going to the next town. And that's, I mean, that's kind of my real life with Maddie over here. And that's what we do a lot of times. Dude, that I, I, I like, and it's not exactly as much of a, like an oxymoron as fuck, man. Why do I, it's, you can, can you tell I've had the third beer by now? Snow angels in June. I love the oxymoron of that, but the middle right. fingers and taillights, it, it does have that rebel vibe to it. And it is fun. Yeah. Like it gets you hype. It is fun and it builds up. And tell me a little bit about how the music got built up around it, uh, around those lyrics. Uh, well, that was honestly, so basically this, this is my first time doing the full production and the kind of the ideas, you know, you figure out, we all, a lot of us play a lot of different instruments and you figure out how to arrange it and, and what we should add and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would say it's the most minimal in the approach in that we didn't put any banjo in, we didn't put any extra percussion in, we didn't put any slide guitar in or anything like that. It was just basically just the five of us jamming um, <laughs> which was cool so it was just taking the you know mark wrote it on an on acoustic and and had the one vocal line so it was just you know i added the second vocal line and then we all just kind of rocked it out um so there wasn't as much thought musically it was just it, it's a fun song so we didn't really overthink it which was cool Wait, seriously? So like Mark just gets up to the mic in the basement, starts singing, and you guys just start like vibing with it? That is exactly. And you just start kicking shit around. That's exactly how it happened. So he knew all the lyrics, and so he gave me the phone with the lyrics on it. Uh, So I sang the harmony as he was singing the song for the first time. Uh, And same with my brother playing the bass, Trent playing the guitar, Eric playing the drums. It was basically the song was written in the time that, in the amount of time that the song takes. And then it was basically done. Obviously then we recorded it for real, but the actual writing and the inception of it was with, with within the band was super quick. Dude, that's kind of cool. And and, it, and it, to me, it gives that vibe off of just a yeah. good old time. That's awesome. How do you, I don't understand how you people do this. How do you hear words and just come up with original music to go with it? That, that blows my mind. From, a lot of cover music and knowing music in and out and you know you combine a lot of uh a lot of your favorite guitar progressions and guitar licks and just you know from listening to a lot of different music music and we have a lot of musical uh influences gotcha man combine a lot of that so scientific so okay. scientific. It actually, actually, yeah, actually the I was gonna say, I was gonna say it's exactly with sports you build up this certain amount of skills and then you can kind of right. we'll call it vibe with anybody. Like if you're a good enough player, you can play with anybody. It doesn't yeah. matter what they do because you're gonna react to it and make something successful. Yeah, that's I and it's funny, man, because it it is a sort of athleticism where 
you're like, holy shit, I got this skill and I can actually keep this going. And you, yeah. you get up and down with somebody and you're like, wow, I can hang. And uh, that, that's funny that you describe it that way, but that makes total sense to me where it's like, wow, I've just built up the reps that I can do a whole bunch of different things. <laughs> and I don't know exactly how it happens, but it happens and it sounds great. <laughs> totally. Yep. Dude, I love it. Is there anything else about middle fingers and taillights that people should know when they listen to it? Uh, there's just two sick guitar solos by uh, one by Nick and one by Alex. And it's, yeah, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I would love yeah. to take credit for it, but yeah. uh, there are no guitar solos by yeah. me on any of the songs. All right, so let's just say you know, there's nothing. There's nothing. Else. Yeah. <laughs> this will bass walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just a fun song. We had as much fun kind of you know orchestrating it and coming up with it. Uh, hopefully, as the listener has listened to, it's a good time. Yeah, no, for sure, and I. I, again, if you play that thing, when people hear it, it's just not only this is the like to me, the chorus was catchy, um, but there's just a couple different lines where you get that outlaw feel like that rebellious feel that you could totally see people connecting with, um, which is why I did not play it several times for my daughter. <laughs> yeah it's probably, good. It's probably a good idea she was like wait that's mr tappan and i'm like yeah yeah yeah, but you don't get to do that yet because we, we roll everywhere we roll everywhere at the top down in the jeep so she's like in her head thinking like wait middle fingers and taillights and like you can see her with the top down windows down just i'm like no not yet flipping people off no doubt just Bud Light in her hand just yeah. ready, ready to go to the next bar yeah exactly yep at the age of 10 thanks for that mark um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am so scared when she gets to that point, when she starts going to y'all's concerts, when you guys are middle-aged men, I will be there to laugh at you and beat up anybody <laughs> who, who comes on to my daughter. <laughs> well, never do. I mean, we're going to be playing link, the link at that point, you know, oh, so yeah, it's just, yeah. we're going to play the big yeah. stadium. That's, <laughs> God, that's such a great Nichols point. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Got the hair. Yeah. So that was one thing, Alex, and it, it completely doesn't go with anything. But like when you were talking about you were the newest to Delaware, I almost wanted to be like, yeah, dude, with that hair, you definitely would be the newest guy to Delaware. I've never seen anybody in Delaware with that hair. That was Nick, by the way. No. Nick's the one with the hair. No. Uh, so I completely fucked that up. You're fine. That's all right. Fine. That's Jesus all right. Christ. All the time. Yep. I'll take it. This is Alex and I'll take yeah. it. Got you. Yeah. All right. So then I'm sorry. Alex, but Nick, when you came in, I like that hair is it's next level, man. It's, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, not many people have this in Jersey either. So I'm oh, used really? to being the, uh, the weird guy <laughs> in that regard, but I welcome the attention. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a choice. Um, what do you guys want to talk about next? The sunflowers or the snow angels in June? Just show, man. All right. Yeah. Well then tell me about Shiloh's favorite who will never be allowed to go to one of your shows. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about snow angels in June. Thank you. 
Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, disclaimer. Strictly for songwriting. No, I mean, but that's what it's about. I, I thought it was just something that a lot of people can relate to where, you know, at any age, you know, people have gone through one, two, maybe several breakups. And, uh, it, you know, it's just, that's what it's about. It's like that false hope. Like, hey, all right, we're, we're breaking up right now in the wintertime, but come June, we'll be making snow angels together. You know, like, it's never going to freaking happen. And, most of the time when people break up, it's for a reason and it should probably stay that way. So that was, (laughs) that's kind of what I was just thinking about. Do you have, and I should have asked you this on the middle fingers, but I feel like snow angels in June is a little more, um, closer to your heart, Mark. Are there specific lyrics that you just really enjoyed or you were surprised came out within it? And if Um, you need, if you need to ask Maddie to leave the room, you can. In order to express this, no, I'm just kidding. That would be, that would <laughs> yeah, be a she's thing. reading a book. I don't think she's listening that much. But uh, <laughs> now, I mean, honestly, I I really like just the first lines that came out I of my. Just gonna say the first line of the yeah, song. The first one that comes out of my head is we found out we were stuck between just lovers and just friends, mm. which again, a lot of people I think can relate to. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people base relationships around friendships uh, that shouldn't blossom into romantic relationships so that that almost anybody in their life can relate to that you know like you find yourself like hey we really like each other but we probably shouldn't be trying to date each other and uh so that was one of the and for some reason that just kind of came you know it just popped into my head that's probably one of my favorite songs in that or favorite lines in the song And this is going to be a complete stereotypical, and this is not me being a jerk to you, although I really enjoy being a jerk to you at some times. Yeah, I think you're an (laughs) asshole. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking with Laura Lee and speaking now with you about songwriting, it's interesting to think of the emotions with a male songwriter compared to a female songwriter. So I just, I guess, wanted to get thoughts on like, is it awkward? 
at all for you to talk about the emotions and thoughts, not saying that it has been, I haven't taken you as awkward in any way, but like being a dude that's cool with being like, you know, I'm kind of introspective. I'm, I'm, I'm into expressing these emotions through music. Is it ever weird? Is weird the wrong word, dude? Now I feel like I'm being some sort of like, well, no, it, weak it, it Dr. absolutely Phil. is. It's intimate is what it is. Right. And, and you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's, the first couple of times you play it, it's difficult. I mean, the other night, um, we went and we did a demo track for a song that we're, you know, that we're going to come out with hopefully by the end of the year with a few more songs. And it's never easy playing a song that you wrote, that you write for the first time, no matter who you're playing in front of, you know, I can play in front of my best friends, my wife and, it's it's really difficult just singing a song because it's like, hey man, that's those were your thoughts. You you came up with that and you're harboring that somewhere. And so yeah, it, it it's not easy. I don't know if it's any different for a girl. You know, Laura Lee might have an easier time of that. Um, I'm not I don't know. That that'd be a very interesting conversation to have. But I guess guys maybe we're supposed to be a little bit less a little, bit, a little bit less intimate. Right. Well, and I, you go with the stereotype. So you were a good athlete. Um, I can, can I call the two other guys on here? Great athletes since they actually played hockey yeah, collegiately. <laughs> right. I'm, but you were a solid at, like, I wouldn't call myself the same athlete as you, Mark. And I, I mean, I work out, but I'm not on your level. Like you had a lot of success athletically. These guys have a lot of success athletically. We've all been in locker rooms and like, you're not talking about snow angels in June's typically in locker rooms. And I guess that's what I was getting at with the, it, it's, it, it's kind of actually nice from almost like even a mental health standpoint, dude, where it's like, dude, we, people have these feelings, man. It's okay to almost express them, embrace them and put them out there. And I, I just, I was in, a, I guess, a weird clunky way trying to figure out where you fell on that spectrum being a locker room guy and also being this dude that's very introspective it's i mean it's it's really not easy and i I was never i don't know i guess i was a locker room guy for a little bit but um it it was never i I don't know it it there's a big difference i guess between sports and music where when you're playing um yeah when you're playing we go out on the lacrosse team because i play lacrosse in the locker room for and after the lacrosse game it's a much different vibe than right. when you're playing music because when you're in the studio or you're playing on the stage with these guys you know that they kind of they all understand and they're looking uh they're you know they're also looking for that musical perspective and they all have that same musical perspective you know nick and alex have written songs and everybody kind of shares that which is really cool about music because there's still a brotherhood there's still um, there's a camaraderie, but you're not expected to be quite as macho as you are on on the hockey rink or on the lacrosse field. But you know, so you, you can let your guard down a little bit, I guess. Gotcha. And then, how much conversation has to happen between explaining the vibe or the motivation for the story when it comes to the music on a song like this, or is it just same thing with Middle Fingers Taillights? Like, hey man, here are the lyrics. I'm gonna start singing see where it takes you music. So this one was different because I don't know if you showed it to anyone before you showed it to me. I don't think so. so. The way I remember it was 
Mark came over to the house and we were hanging out and he showed me this song and said, I have this new idea for a song. He played it on acoustic as he's reading the lyrics from his iPhone with his mm-hmm. chord chart as, yeah, as, 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 as he write music. Tearing and, up, tearing up as he normally yeah. does as well. And it's funny exactly <laughs> what you said because like I, like I said before, like this was my first time being the producer engineer, that kind of stuff. And, and I'm listening to the song and thinking, well, this is a, fantastic song but my first thought was how could i make this not sound like a sappy love song because it doesn't so come it, across that way at all man when i listen you, to I appreciate it that. no 100 yeah my first thought was as soon as there's he has this one little hammer on i was like well that sounds kind of johnny cash so the first demo we did i laid down this little you know train beat on drums and and came up with this little jangly guitar part and that was the first demo was like let's see how how much we can go in the Johnny Cash vibe. Dude, it's uh, completely more bright. And that's why I was so surprised, Mark. Again, and it, it honestly, as much as I am a dick to you, that was honestly one of not one not one of those times. I was just so shocked after hearing the song that it was that um that much of like an emotional thing because it is it's a happy song. It comes, it sounds to me happy. Yeah, it, it does, it sounds like it, and it's again, it's like I don't know your hopeless romantic optimist song. Yeah, um, that's a great with a dark point. undertone, and you know that was that was kind of the idea. So Nick, who produced the whole song, and uh, it, he had the idea. He's like, "Hey, let's let's do this. Let let's throw these Eagles type right. guitar melodies. Let's throw some banjo in there, and it made it a little bit more uplifting." Dude, that was op- the whole purpose. Optimism is a great word to describe it because it is. It, 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 the music completely comes across as very optimistic and happy. I like, I didn't take like the, they're never going to get together. I, I don't, I don't know how I took it, but I didn't take it as like, Oh, this poor dude, he's going to get ghosted in three months. <laughs> like, and see, that's how I wrote it. I, would, I wrote it as like that, like that, Oh shit. You know, we, you know, you're not really going to get together, but let's pretend we are anyway. Right. That was kind of the idea. Man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off about the music. I was just... No, no, no. You're totally know. fine. I was just going to say, so that was the original idea. And then, I, of course, I told that to my brother and he put down the perfect bass line. And then I had Trent come over and, and do the guitar part and uh, record this great guitar part for the chorus. And then I was like, I think I kind of... We, myself and Trent and Mark all play banjo. Um, it's like, I think I kind of want a banjo part, but I have no idea what it should be like. So I just gave my banjo to Trent, and the first take is the banjo part that you hear in the song. First take. Um, first take. Yeah. Wow. I think he doubled it, and I deleted the double. So it was like the first take is fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I recorded this. It was also like the third time Trent had ever played banjo. Yeah, it was awesome. Third time he had ever played banjo. Oh yeah, yeah. these these guys in this band are disgusting. Dude, that's stupid. That's uh, they, can that's... Any, they can pick up. Any. And then the other coolest part about the song, once again, is is I play a lot of slide guitar, but there's a specific slide. It's like a resonator. It's called a dobro, which I don't have. But of course, Mark brings one over to the house one day. I was like, oh, this would be great on this song. So all that slide stuff is played on this. This uh, is from the '80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. This awesome instrument. Yeah, my buddy has let me borrow one for a while, and. You know, we're, we're just using that. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun just kind of being able to, you get these these songs. And I mean, the song has to be a great song from the start. Otherwise, you're just, you know, polishing a turd, basically. <laughs> Lipstick uh, on a pig. <laughs> that's that's a that's a phrase, right? Or that's a yeah. saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, yeah. make that up. 
no, no. Copyright that. Yeah, 100%. Um, but it, so it's cool. And then you have these great musicians. You can just say, I think this would be a cool idea. And then someone just comes up with an amazing part. And, and I it's wanna, like, that's cooler than anything I could have come up with. No, no doubt. And here's where my mind goes. I'm not trying to throw like a rift in between you guys because I think it speaks to the beauty of how you guys actually get along. So if, Mark, you're kind of in this like deeper state and then your lyrics are getting taken to a more optimistic state, state and we're perfectly fine with that is, is is that hard like you don't have like this preordained vision of the song should have this kind of tone you just it's just a complete trust of like man let's see where it goes that, that was uh those guys and it actually it was the same with uh this with the song uh sunflower they kind of they i wrote it when i wrote it i didn't necessarily have it in mind as a sad song and they the way that the music was played initially it was kind of a happy song and we had this immediate discussion you know we're like holy shit this kind of it it sounds kind of happy but that's the paradox there and that's what makes it such you know both of those songs some uh snow angels in june and sunflower that make that's what makes them really cool uh and so no there was I don't necessarily have that kind of vision where I want it to be happy. I want it to be sad. And what I, you know, I accept whatever uh, musical ideas they offer. Shit, I accept them willingly because I know they're damn good musicians. Yeah. And we just, we all kind of come to a consensus together. And that's what's been pretty cool about it. Yeah. And man, just going back to the whole like competitive nature of like trying to shine, it's awesome that you guys in a real basic sense, just work together so well to create something original. Four or five different people having hands in the pot should not be able to make good original music. And you guys are doing it. It's pretty neat. Yeah. The fact, and the, the fact that we all live within, well, with the exception of Trent, I guess, anyway, he's 45 minutes away, but the fact that we all live within 10 minutes of each other, you know, it makes it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's easy. It's convenient. The fact that we all live near each other, but it's, it's odd for such good musicians to be able to be this close to each other, you know? So it's been cool because we've been able to kind of take that and run with it. Yeah. Shit, man. That's a great point too. Cause just being that close, you're able to like, Hey man, I'm inspired. You got an hour. Cool. <laughs> hey man, what yeah, are you doing? Exactly. I, I can run over and lay down something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've done that. Like, we'll run over to the studio, Nick and Alex's house, real quick if we have an idea, and we'll just lay something down for an hour or two. And it's just really, really built on our whole musical repertoire. Can I know a little bit about? And this is something I hadn't thought about either. So, you guys actually play your own—is it parts individually? Then get recorded, and then you're like merging those things together into one track. Is that how yes, the engineering so that, happens? So that, that's how music is recorded. It's basically, you write some, it's not like it's recorded live, uh, which is how it used to be. Um, basically, you write a part and then you build it in layers. So you you have the drummer play the song until he gets a good drum, a drum take. And then once the drum take is right, then you add the bass and then you add the guitars. And that's usually how it works. You and, can do two things at a time. Um, but the way that that music is made now is like that. Now it's gotten to a point now where it's way beyond that. 
uh, where a lot of stuff is programmed, a lot of stuff is is fixed and it's done artificially, oh. uh, which I refuse to do. Yeah, I think if you if you can't play, then you shouldn't be recording music. But no, but whatever. yeah, well, to call yourself an original artist and then not be able to and then not be able do. to play your music. I mean, you've seen all the lip sync, <laughs> like all those fiascos. You've seen all of those live, like yeah, you know, it's they didn't record their stuff in the studio either. So when you're laying the drums down for it are you listening to the lyrics to it when you're playing a guitar are you able to do that without again novice i i would think you would need everyone else to keep you where you're supposed to be so it so that that part is called ghost tracking and basically what it is is the whole band will play the song but you're focusing on one part so you're focused the whole band could play the song but you're focusing on getting the right drum tape gotcha um now, there are certain circumstances where everything is perfect and you just say, wow, well, the, the guitars in that take were great too. Let's just leave them. Okay. Uh, that usually doesn't happen because the focus is on a specific instrument. Dude, well, how do you listen to that and play with the band? What do you mean? Well, aren't you? So you're the engineer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're. Oh, oh when, I when you're you. playing, uh, like, hey, well, man, it's the I'm, drum take. It, I mean, come on. Like when you're playing, if you're playing basketball, right? Sometimes you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just muscle memory, right? Gotcha. Wow. But you're focusing on, oh, I want to make sure the point guard's doing the right thing. Okay. So it's it's similar to that. Got you. So you're setting up shots for whoever's yes. on, on deck. Exactly. You're yeah. just sitting you're there. You're making like, sure you're playing to make sure that someone else succeeds. Sounds good. Wow. And <laughs> I love asking questions where I feel like I'm a complete dumbass because I feel like that's very common basic knowledge. But to me, it, it's kind of interesting to think about that that way where you have all these different tracks of all these different instruments and then you got to merge it and you got to decide like which ones sound the best when they're all together, man. It's um, Dude, I could spend two minutes talking to you about how country music is made in Nashville that will completely blow your mind. Please do. It's, are you sure? Hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So real. I'll keep. I'll keep it before two minutes. I don't. Nobody think you have to in keep Nashville writes their own music, and nobody in Nashville plays their own music. So I'm going to tell a- you, you're a liar because Taylor Swift is the greatest artist ever, and she writes every <laughs> single one of her songs. And if you ever speak bad about her again, we will never talk. She comes up with some parts to her songs. Okay, so she's right. different. But as far as Nashville <laughs> country musicians, uh, there's there's a set of studio guys who play on every single recording. And the producer and the song, there's a team of songwriters. Chris Stapleton used to write songs for other people before he started writing for himself. There's a team of songwriters who will write songs and then will say, well, this artist sounds what's going to sound good on this. Let's say Luke Bryan's going to sound good on this song. Uh, whatever. Rain is a good thing, right? So then they'll get a set of studio musicians to play all the parts. His band doesn't play on it. And then they'll bring in the singer and the singer will sing the vocal. And then that's the song. That's how Nashville works. Wait. So there's just like mercenary bass players that come in that have all the talent. And then there's like two or three bass players in Nashville who play on every recording. How do the people in the band, how is your natural ego <laughs> okay with Cause that? Because they're, they're touring guys. They're employed by the singer. So their job is to go out and perform these songs on the road. But there's no, nothing musical or creative about it. Obviously not everybody works like that, but the vast majority, that's how Nashville works. How do you, you don't know? even have to be in Nashville. You could just write a song and send it to Nashville, and they will record it for you and send it back to you 
and then you record the vocals and then that's how the song works. You can do that. Uh, have you done that? How do you know this? I have not. I have not, but I know people who have. Oh, that's some behind the curtain that, stuff. You know what? That's, that's how that's how that's how the that's how the recording works. Like it's you've taken all the magic away now. now I'm sure that now. once again that is the natural <laughs> one, but that's how Motown used to be too. Like yeah. Diana Ross, all that kind of stuff. None yeah. of them wrote their music. It was the same people who played it, and then the singer would just sing the vocal. Yeah, by the way, Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> the Easter Bunny you is a j- joke. <laughs> so, hey, Mark, thanks for that. Now Shiloh can't listen and support the pod. Oh, man. Well, it's past 10 o'clock. You shouldn't be able to Dude, no, I'm telling you. It's on demand. It'll be on the internet. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to edit the Santa Claus part out. He's alive. He's real. So is the Tooth Fairy. That $10 you just got for those four teeth are real. Yeah. There you go. Dude, I had no idea that they're just like studio mercenaries and the band guys, like my, I don't know if my ego, I guess it would if like I was all about money, but like, would my ego allow me to go on stage playing someone else's music and like lip syncing with my fingers? That's so. That much money it would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. So the most, the most famous example of that would be, I mean, you're aware of the Foo Fighters, right? I've heard of them. I didn't know that this happened. Well, no, 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 no. That is not what happened. But Dave Grohl is an amazing drummer, right? So, the, And Taylor Hawkins, the guy who he has playing with them now, like the first album they did together, Dave was like, you're just, you're not really ready to play all my parts yet. So Dave uh, recorded half the album and Taylor recorded the other half. And then he learned how to play in Foo Fighters. Taylor Hawkins was just playing with Alanis Morissette. Like he's like the greatest drummer in the world. But he had to learn how to be the drummer of Foo Fighters. Got you, got you, got yeah. you. That's completely different. They write their own music. They play their own music. That's totally different. I shouldn't have brought that up. No, but well, there's a lot of studio magic going on. Yeah, no, well, I think that's a, 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 a nicer example. That's a Santa Claus's real example. Like, he grew yes. up into Santa Claus. Who yes, is real, exactly. Perfect. But, yeah, but, dude, I had no idea that, man. Yeah, Nashville sucks, man. That, that's that's almost disheartening to hear from fellows who are into country music that would say Nashville yep. sucks. East Texas is where it's at. I got Mark to thank for that. Yep. East Texas is where it's at. How so? Yeah, much more organic music down there. Yeah. Um, a lot of those guys are, you know, a lot of them went to high school together. There's a whole subculture of country music down there. And, you know, a lot of our music is inspired by that. And, uh, they, a lot of them know each other. They, they're self-recorded like we are. And, uh, it's, it's a much more niche community of music where they're not necessarily pandering. So they're not pandering at all. Yeah. The commercial aspect. And that's funny. Cause now I'm thinking back to when I asked you guys what your goal was. And again, what, what I thought was awesome was there wasn't a commercial goal. Like if whatever platinum or a million downloads, stuff like that. Like um, now that's making a lot more sense to me. Yeah. When you guys speak about it. I mean, that would be nice. I wouldn't, I'm not going to hate success. Oh yeah. But you want it to be your success. You want it to be authentic success. Exactly. Man, I had no idea. Crazy, right? God. Wait, so. And no, I won't even make the analogy. Never mind. Let me stop myself. No, you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) No, I was about to say something else stupid, but then I looked over and I'm like, you're halfway through another beer. Let's keep it rolling. The song, the song, 
the song um, that will hopefully teach my daughter, who knows that Santa Claus is real, to whistle sunflowers. really quick it came way after the, the writing of the song really was well basically mark had this great song and and i thought that there should be this extra melody line and came up with something on guitar and i was playing on a slide guitar and it's like ah not really the coolest thing it would be cooler if it's a whistle now i can't whistle for to save my life fortunately my brother can <laughs> as we're coming up with the demo i was like hey alex could you come down and and whistle this part and same thing nailed it in one take one take Alex. One take. One take Alex. One take Alex. Oh, right there. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, once. Though. Yeah. I'll just take it, but just once. Sorry. So that's that's the real real quick. That's the story. <laughs> um, tell me about the story behind the lyrics with Sunflower. Because again, if I'm looking back at my notes, I wrote the whistle, but to me that was I know the middle fingers and taillights is like a banger, but the sunflowers just had this like carefree happiness although i feel like that's not the story behind what actually the lyrics meant to you mark yeah no so that was the original one like the the happy music with the dark undertone um and i think especially the whistle makes it much happier for sure but you know i wrote the song um oh man i guess this is also channeling some dark pasts in a relatively happy major key. So, you know what? <laughs> so, you know, it's, I mean, it's just about um, addiction, if you will. Not that I've faced addiction or anything, but it's like, you know, certain people have, with relationships, have chosen, um, you know, kind of addiction and like letting drinking and everything prevail over relationships. And it was kind of more channeling like a college mindset. And that's what it's about. So, you know, the song starts out like, you know, I'm like a sunflower after it's dead. And then in, you know, in the middle of the song, it's about saying, you know, I'll, I'll give up all that. I'll give up the drinking and everything for, for this relationship. And then it comes back to the end 
like, ah, but I'm still like a sunflower after it's dead, you know? So, and kind of giving up on the relationship, giving up on the responsibility and going right back to that. That's, that's kind of the whole idea behind that song. And that's why, uh, I mean, you know, Nick and these guys, Trent and all of them had the idea to kind of make it happy because it's really not a happy song at all, but we just, uh, we kind of made it that way. Dude, it is so clear. I need to re-listen to and analyze the lyrics of these songs way more than I did because I'm, I'm, I was not there at all. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, that's the cool thing about a lot of music, man. It is, right? So many people can analyze it so many different ways. And it's it's nice to be able to, I, I wish I could talk to so many different songwriters about what was going through their head when they wrote certain songs. So I mean that was that's what was going through my head at the particular time that I wrote that. Why a sunflower to represent it? Because uh, sunflowers are absolutely beautiful, but they take a very very long time to get to that beautiful point where they blossom. They blossom for about three fucking days before they die. <laughs> that's so true. God, you forget. Like if you drive by a field and you see some sunflowers out there. And they're looking right. You better take that picture that day. <laughs> well, you better, you that, better jump that on that a, selfie that day. Yeah, that, just had that conversation with someone the other day because Maddie's a photographer and she put something out on Facebook, like advertising. You know, she was saying there's some sunflower fields that are uh, that are blooming. Let's get you know, if anybody wants to take pictures, she was going to take pictures of them because she has a photography company. And uh, it, a couple of people got up with her like three or four days later and it was too late because they were dead. Right. So, you know, that was, that was kind of the whole metaphor behind the song. So like, you know, you blossom real quick and you might be this good person, but then you immediately rescind every good thing that you did and go back to shit back ways. Dude, I'm, and, I didn't mean to cut you off, man, but I'm very curious. That's a very mature outlook to me anyway, for a college mindset. And I'm curious how those two things merged for the song. Uh, it was just me channeling some college drinking ways, <laughs> and college relationships. They're, they're good things to write about. Gotcha. So the drinking just made you wilt. I won't yeah, go pretty, pretty much. I won't go as far to call you flaccid, but it did wilt you. I'm heart sorry I have been it. flaccid. That's okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh shit. Giving a new meaning to whiskey. Never mind. Um <laughs> actually whiskey Richard was one of the initial names that we came came up with for our band. Stop. There's was, no way. That, There's no way that's true. I swear to God, Stop, Whiskey dude. Richard was our first name for our band. And everybody's over here shaking their heads. That was our original name. Who came up with the name? Richard. Who who brought that to the table? Uh Maddie, it was you, right? Yeah, my wife, my wife did. I was like, how am I going to explain that to my mother? So, oh, wow. And, did, <laughs> and everyone else vetoed or there was like a three to two split? How close was the vote? I, I wasn't very much discussed. I was just against it from because, you know, I, I mean, I'm a teacher. You're a teacher. You understand. <laughs> like, it can Kids ask me, my students ask me, oh, oh, you're in a band, what's the name? How are you supposed to explain how the name of your band's Whiskey Dick? Whiskey Richard. Whiskey Richard. Whiskey Richard. Richard. God. Maybe you should have been like 
You know what actually would have been better? Whiskey Richard go hard. Whiskey Richard go hard. Yeah, I feel like the ox like the again. I just like contradictions in things. I feel like that would have been maybe a selling point, but it could have been a figurative language lesson. That's I agree. I don't teach English anymore. That's a good. Yeah, I forgot, Mister Ag. All right, not to give too much personal information away. Um, musically for Sunflowers, aside from the whistle, any cool stories behind how that came together? No real. uh, Basically, that that was the idea. Was there needed to be this other melody, and uh, once came up with it on guitar, then it's really easy to show Trent, like, hey, this is this is the idea, and. Then we came up with a guitar harmony and then we figured out how to split up the solos and he takes the first solo and freaking nailed it. Like it's like we recorded this, the rehearsal take and it was so good. The first thing he came up with that then when we recorded for real, both me and Mark were like, dude, you need to learn exactly what you played like two months ago. Uh, He's trying to add other things like, no, 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 you have to learn exactly this part. Uh, and he nailed it. It was awesome. So every time you guys are playing, you're just recording all the time then? I'm assuming. Uh, if, it, if it's a, a new song, so I have everything mic'd up in the basement um, so that if we come up with something where it's like we want to record this for posterity's sake, basically. Gotcha. Uh, I can just press record and, and we have this, and uh, which is great. It's a fantastic writing tool and everything like that. Yeah, I bet. Um and then obviously we can, you know, go back and tweak things, but it, it's great to be able to, as soon as you get inspiration and inspiration strikes, you can just press record and then you have it forever. Right. And if you listen back the next day and you're like, wow, that really stunk. Then you just throw it away and no one gets to listen to it. But if you're like, well, wow, that's kind of cool. Then you work on it and hopefully people like it. So yeah. Is it always like the wake up test? Like, man, oh, we're feeling 100%. it in the moment. Yeah. There's nothing like being in the studio and listening back to yourself in the monitors and you're just listening and it's pretty obvious if, if you suck, <laughs> basically that, like that was my biggest learning experience. And, and fortunately I've been able to do the studio thing, you know, a good amount of times before I, you know, made one myself. Um, but yeah, totally there. I mean, cause when you're playing live, like you could hit a bad note, but if the crowd is great and they're all vibing, no one's going to remember that bad note. Um, but in the studio, like, yeah, you listen back. It's like, Ooh, man, I really screwed that up. Like I need to practice that part. Gotcha, man. So it's a great learning, great learning tool. Yeah. It's it, it, again, it's funny, but like there really can be a, um, monotony, like a real harsh scrutiny to this creative flow, which I don't know if like people who take music seriously, I don't, do you think people who want to be original music artists get that that like dude there's a real grind and a real nitpick to figuring out are you good enough to actually record this stuff and produce it publish it i think that goes both ways because i think there's uh there's the certain amount of i want to be a recording musician i want to record songs um there's a reality to well if you can't really play you know that's going to complicate things big time Mm. uh so you need to, if you really want to do it right, um, you need to put the work in and rehearse your craft and perfect your craft so that you can go in and nail it. Um, at the same time, like I play with a lot of metal guys and and obviously within the metal field, like it's all those guys are, you know, insane musicians. They're, a lot of them are, 
bedroom musicians who just play 18 hours a day. <laughs> uh, so then there could be an overperfection, which is kind of oh. how modern music is now, where every drum hit is, is if it's not perfect, it's replaced. And uh, you kind of lose some of the organic, you know, you lose all the personal chemistry yeah. when, you, when you come up with that. And uh, if everything is just fixed. Right. And that's kind of what I was going with originally when you're recording one instrument with everyone else playing. I feel like the beauty of music sometimes is that organic we're all together. And I was wondering about how that happens uh, with people recording individual instruments and then trying to arrange it. Because it has to be hard to like merge. Hey, man, on Monday, I grabbed Mark's guitar. And on Tuesday, I got trance. On Wednesday, we got and, and like making that blend together because it seems like each moment is its own moment uh yes and no um as far as 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 my personal experience like i've been in in like if if you have a crappy producer who's just trying to get through the day yeah it stinks because you're just all he's worried about is just making sure the part is right um make you know making sure it's perfect which isn't usually the best way to do it. Uh, we're in a cool position in the fact that, you know, there's five guys in the band and, and the studio is in the basement of two of the guys and I'm the one producing it. So no matter what, there's no extra ears coming in. Like it's just us. Right. Um, which is a, a uh, you know, that doesn't normally happen. Gotcha. Um, so in that regard, it's pretty cool because there's still a chemistry within the band. Even if you're recording a part by yourself, there's still other guys in the band. And especially Mark, like Mark was there for every single note that was laid down, regardless of who it was. Um, so the band is still there. Right. Um, so it's still, there's still the personal chemistry, even if you're not playing together. Gotcha. Which does not always happen in recorded music, I assure you. Yeah, I've I've been assured of a lot of things that I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm just, it's so interesting to learn about a new industry, to be honest with you. Like, I just, it's really enjoyable. Um, do so you, I believe spent Sunday recording some new music and maybe multiple other days, but talk to me a little bit about what you guys are trying to do. You have three songs out. Um, is it like 12 song album that we have by such date or what's up? We had, Oh, nah, not 12 songs. I mean, we could do 12 songs. I think what we're trying to do is do maybe five or six more really well um because i mean we have at least 12 maybe more written but you know we're we're our goal is by the end of the year to maybe have five or six more you know we decided we had this whole quarantine period and everything to uh to let these three go and let everybody hear them so now we're we have our feet wet with recording and we're going to hopefully get back out soon and start playing so what we're going to start doing is, you know, we is trying to get these next five or six recorded, the next five or six that we really like the most and, uh, and try to get those out by the end of the year. That's the plan. So we really, we laid our demo track down on our first one on Sunday and uh, we're going to kind of take her from there. Does it get easier now that you guys have been through the process three times? Like, is it quicker or do you like scrutinize it more? Cause you're like, man, I just don't know if it's as good as, cause you have something to compare it to. From an engineering standpoint. Yes. It's quicker because I was developing all these skills as we went. 
So now it's <laughs> it, so now it's like at least no matter what, whatever we come up with, uh, you know, sonically is going to sound as good, if not better, than right. what we already put out. Wow, that's just from the you know from that that perspective. Yeah, Nick has the hardest job because like, he. I mean, he's the one recording it he's the one producing it cutting everything i mean he's kind of doing what you have to do with with your podcast make sure the sounds right make sure everything lines up so nick has all that that background work that he's doing um you know he has to engineer all the equipment so it's definitely gotten easier for him and he kind of guided us along in the process as far as you know exactly how the recording process is done so now we know to learn the songs and you know we're we're playing the songs all together and now we need to learn our individual parts so we'll have have our stuff together more so when we come into it this time yeah right this way you're not um wasting any time or any uh i guess it's not tape anymore it's all digital but wasting any tape where he's got to like go through it huh because you're hopefully all hoping to be like one take tricks exactly got you yeah man and so then how do you do you feel the pressure to be like man we've put out three songs i just really want an album out (laughs) i just really want a full out i just want 12 tracks something standard that we could do a complete show to do you guys have to battle that at all um not really i mean i think we're we're at a point where Recording music is fun. Writing music is fun. And it's it's been a great experience kind of seeing what comes out of it. But I think the, the process has been really enjoyable. So gotcha. I don't necessarily think that it's nece- the end game of having an album out. Is more, it's just been the process of, of writing, recording songs, seeing what comes out of it, experimenting. And so we know that when we have a product and it finally comes out that it's going to sound good. It's going to be something we enjoy because we were you know lucky enough to work through these first three songs and be proud of what we had. Um, but I don't necessarily think that we're impatient or, or, or just chomping at the bit to get this album out. Um, at the same time, I mean, some of the songs that Marcus pitched to us have just been so good. And there is a little bit of an impatience to actually kind of hear what they would sound like. Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily for the sake of having an album. It's more just yeah, the yeah. sake of being like, man, that's a cool song. Like I'd like to listen to that. I mean, and, <laughs> The three songs are not different, but different. They all kind of give off different vibes to me. And I'm kind of wondering, is there a a theme to the album that's coming up with all the songs that are written and have not yet been produced? Or are do they all almost like stand on their own? We've talked about potential themes. Uh, we've pitched around the ideas. You know, we have a bunch of different songs written. We've talked about different potential themes and you know, different characters or different ideas that can be introduced into it, uh, but nothing definite yet. Gotcha. And I think musically, I mean, the fact that we all have just such varied influences and we all come from different backgrounds, it it kind of makes it interesting that we're able to come up with unified music that, I mean, you listen to those three songs and they all, they all sound like they come from different places, but they work together. So oh, it's, totally. it's fun to be able to play a bunch of different styles of music and still make it us. Yeah, man. And it's unexpected, which is very fun if you play an album and you're like, oh shit, the vibe changed. 
Like it's cool. It to me it was neat. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I honestly expected a more I I don't even know if it's classical country. Whatever I think classical country is is what I expected before I had listened, and it was way way not that. <laughs> and then all of them were just so different, but tied together. You could hear the country influence in them. It was uh, enjoyable, and that that's why I was wondering about the theme of an album, because I'm excited yeah. to see how you guys spin it five six other ways like that's exciting to me yeah that was our i mean that's our combination of our different musical influences what we came up with our kind of groundwork was towards like modern texas country music ish um but it's got it has a lot of classical rock influence a lot of uh a, a lot of different stuff a lot of you know try to go with intricate songwriting to an extent so that that's our goal and that's our goal for the next one for sure. And dude, is there like an eight minute track coming with just, again, so the Eagles influence hotel California, which is one of Shiloh who I love to shout out on the podcast. Um, one of her favorite songs. Do we have something like that coming? Uh, oh man. Can I just say, wait and see. Is no, that, you didn't answer. Because I'm... we literally have had this conversation today. Dude, please, <laughs> please. I'm telling you, man, you're on these country roads, the right. top's down, the sun is setting. I'm going to give you a teaser real quick. Give, I'm going to give you a teaser real quick. Please do. Mark came over with this great idea for this song. Same thing. Awesome song. I'm not going to say what it's called because eventually people will know it. Uh, great idea for the song. And and we jammed it out. It was just the two of us. And I came up with this guitar line. It was like, that's kind of cool. And, and it was like, you know, a three and a half minute song. And. I called him later. I was like, I kind of have this idea to just kind of go nuts at the end. And just Fucking do, do this it. Straight up Hotel California, me and Trent going nuts back yeah. and forth kind of thing. We need it. We need it. So just know that there is a song on our next recording that is exactly what you just explained. You have to listen to find out, but it's coming. <laughs> it's already written. So. Oh, man. Dude, I was so hoping... Because there's something about that, and I, I, again, I'm not a super music guy. I think I've said that 38 times at this point. But I've gotten into some classic rock, like with the Doors, and you forget how often the lyrics just go away and the music goes on, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, the song comes back, almost like a boomerang type thing, or like you listen to Meatloaf, and that dude would write fucking what, like 10, 12. <laughs> 15 minutes yeah dude right like i mean it was just like he was like i'm gonna make an opera in one track yeah. and that even uh paradise by the dashboard light i That's think what it was yeah, yeah good call. dude I, th- I think that thing was slashed i thought i heard him on a behind the music say originally it was like 32 minutes and they had to talk <laughs> him down to like 19 or something and like but I, cut. yeah 19 yeah. minute song Jeez. yeah but dude you think about it and you're like man if you got talent and it seems like you guys vibe it would be so cool to have that longer meditative state especially man if you're just driving if you're just like marcus said like he and maddie go out you want to cruise sometimes it's just really nice to zone out to not lyrics but music i'm excited yeah. Yeah, it, it, it should be pretty good. That's our plan. Yeah. Dude, I love it. And I love the fact that nobody gets to tell you, like, that's a stupid idea. For commercial purposes, you need to put it within three minutes and 30 seconds. Like, exactly what you just said. 
yeah. the problem with most music. Right. Because you're looking to play it on a radio to get it played for people. That's the medium that it's played for. Uh, we're in a fortunate situation where there is no expectations. We can do literally whatever we want. Create a free reign, man. We, yeah. And we can put it out ourselves that you don't need a record label anymore or anything like that. So it's a, it's a cool creative time. And fellas, I know you've been on for two hours, man. I appreciate your time. I've got two more things for you. If you can bear with me for it. Number one, I've actually kind of interested. And I think we actually spoke about this before we recorded monetizing digital platforms and putting your music out there. Can, can we talk a little bit? I don't know how much you guys know about that, but like, so you have almost 6,000 streams on Spotify. Is that like a $4 check? Do you get any sort of income from that without having to play gigs? <laughs> you get uh, almost half a cent per stream. I think it's uh, 0.437 cents per stream. Over on Spotify or like everywhere? Yeah, for Spotify, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're a little over 20 bucks, I think. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. I mean, yeah, you, you have to be viral to, to make real money and, and uh, not viral, but, you know, yeah, you I, have millions and millions of plays. We're doing it right now because we love it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. And that's got to be, I guess it just it's as simple as that then. Like, for artists, you need shows to make this a sustainable career, a sustainable income. Where we are right now, yes. Right. If you've built a massive global audience, then then you can make money off of that kind of stuff, like make a living, a decent wage off of that. We are uh, we are not there yet. Twenty bucks. God. Yeah. Well, that's the merch. So you got to open up the merch store, and you got to get like train exactly. train wreck official sunflower yeah. hat. That the drummer you nailed rocks. it. Train whistles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, the train whistle for the sunflower song. That actually would be. See now, now what we're doing is what's that word? Um, when you combine everything. Synthesizing. No, no, it was no, on Jerry homogenization. Mc... Homogenization. <laughs> <laughs> it was not that. Nor osmosis. Synergy. Synergy is the word Synergy, I was talking about. Okay. Synergy, yeah, like yeah, a, dude. I was the... <laughs> <laughs> way to keep it clean professor way to keep it clean <laughs> it's latin it's all right <laughs> it's latin god i didn't know you spoke latin you are fucking talented man wow like you just amazed. i do my best amaze all right now fellas i've never done this with three people that's what she said um i've only done it with two uh, <laughs> nailed it so this is how I um, try to end podcasts. So get ready to tell a cool story. I'm going to ask you for your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Don't overthink. Wait. Hey. Sorry, I didn't hear that. What'd you say? <laughs> best first for last. So it's the end of the podcast. So it's the last thing people who are getting to know you will hear. And I try to find a cool best first experience. Now I know uh -oh. I know you're in a band, so maybe one of the 
better firsts that the band has been through, that's the last thing we could get to know about Trent and the train wreck. Well, I'll start. The first time I ever broke a string on stage, I was in front of a lot of people <laughs> playing music with a lot of people. And I just kind of stopped the song like a, like a train stopped right <laughs> in its fucking tracks. And it was <laughs> awful. So don't ever, kids, if you're listening, <laughs> break a string on stage. Always have new strings on your guitar. Uh, so, like, do you actually have to then stop playing and replace the string, or can you kind of like milli vanilli fake no, no, it? No, 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 no. I've learned you just keep playing right through it. But the first time I ever did it, it just totally stopped. Stop singing, stop doing everything. And then everybody looks at you real awkward. That was my first. And, dude, what, what did the band do? Like, they stopped playing as well, and everybody's like, hey, man, we're just going to take five right now? Or they kind of like yeah. shamed you into. Going yeah, I mean, no pun intended on the train wreck thing, but that's exactly what it sounded like. It sounds like a train just stopping in its tracks, <laughs> and everybody stops, and then it gets real awkward. It's freaking terrible. What did you got? What did you say to the audience? You just played it off like, "Hey, man, burger string. See you in a couple." That was when I just first started, and I just you just look at everybody real awkward, and you turn around, and and, and it just gets terrible. <laughs> that's a good one. So I'll go. Uh, the first time I fell off the stage was. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was playing a show in Philly, and it, we had played our encore, and then we got to our second encore, which we did not have planned. I was going to say. And we're, like, we're going to play Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine, which we oh. had played a couple. This was not with Trent the Trainwreck. This was with another band. And uh, so we start playing it, and I'm, you know, uh, I'd had a couple sodas. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> too many sodas. Wait, it, and, that, uh, that's you an know, Killing in the term? Name is a pretty intense song, so... I was kind of getting the pit going on stage, and uh, at one point I fell into my amp, knocked my amp over, and then fell off the stage. Kept playing, though. The sound guy thought it was awesome and helped me back on the stage and, yeah, finished the song. So the crowd, that was the first time I fell off the stage. Is the crowd not all the way up to the stage? You didn't get, like, engulfed in screaming fans? Well, I did, and they loved it. It was awesome. No, no it ended like up being a cool time, yeah. They, they loved it. They loved the energy. I was like, oh, geez. Did it turn into like a body surfing moment? Because that's my no, ultimate goal. No, it did not. Uh, so I didn't fall on the on the ground, uh, but I was not caught in this amazing crowd surfing moment either. Right. It's more just falling into people and them kind of being like, what is going on? And you kept rhythm and everything, huh? Kept playing. Yep. Fucking Sound guy picked my amp back up and re-miked it and I made my way back to the stage and it was as if nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. Everybody knew what happened. But <laughs> you get through it. And does that become like your go-to move to end the uh, show? I, I, I don't want that to be my go-to move. <laughs> <laughs> it is for some people, but I'm going to choose not to do that. I would rather stand on the stage and not fall into my equipment. And actually enjoy, like not physically be harmed while playing yeah, music. Yeah, and not uh, lose consciousness on too many Pepsis. Too many Pepsis. <laughs> so you're recovering. Congratulations on your sobriety. Yes, I'm recovering. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No more Mountain Dew for me. Also, man. Is there a third first, or are we good, fellas? Anybody else got a good first to share? Well, I mean, as the, you know, what, 
least train wreck of the uh, and bass player of the band, the, the boring one. I, 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 can, I, can, I can happily say I've never broken a string on stage or, you know, making a stage dive while playing Kelly in the Name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can say the first time I ever one take the song was Whistling Through Sunflower. So there you go. <laughs> Just that easy. God. All right. Well, well he's the least trained wreck of all, right? And the most professional. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm good at hiding it, I guess. That's, that's a skill in itself, my friend. That is a skill in itself. Cheers. Man, fellas, I really appreciate you taking two hours of your night um, to stay somewhat sober and engaged on a podcast conversation. I've really, it, it's really neat to hear about what's going on behind the music and also um, how you guys got together, man. I, uh, Hope you keep killing it. Honestly, I think your music's really neat. I think it's neat that local people in Sussex County can have a band to get behind that they can go out, have a drink to and really enjoy. It's just happy. It's just good music to vibe to, man. It really is. So I really appreciate you giving me the time to talk about it and uh, get to know more about it. Yeah, man, we appreciate you having us and we appreciate the comment. Hopefully, hopefully people really enjoy our music. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, dude, you're you're killing it, man. Just keep going, keep doing your thing. We'll find out. I just got to drink less. I got, I, honestly, I got to get on the Pepsi train and the Mountain Dew train, <laughs> um, especially for the late night pods. It just helps with my questioning. <laughs> but well, thank you, you. You are you are a very articulate drunk. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. You asked all the right questions. So right? this is great. This is the two hours flew by. So thank you. Cool. Yeah, man, fellas, thank you so much. Best of luck to you and um, everybody. Say so, Trent and the Trainwreck. What's the name? Did we ever actually say the name of the album, or is there an album? Do they have to actually just search Trent and the Trainwreck to find the songs? Just Trent and the Trainwreck on any streaming site: Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, um, any streaming YouTube, site. YouTube, yep. all there. Yeah. Oh no way! It's on YouTube. Is there an actual music video, or is it more like the lyrics and the picture? As, yeah, it's just the uh, just the picture and just the song right now gosh there's so. there's one cool video uh it's a driving video for oh that you guys made or that someone had made with the song yeah maddie yeah. made a time lapse video of just the song oh with just driving to so yeah cool. just all kinds of different uh different videos on youtube Gotcha. Yeah, man. Um, so any listeners who make it actually past the two hour mark, get these fools. What was it like 40 cents a, sh- a stream or 0.4 cents? <laughs> 40 cents would be nice. No, it's 0.4 cents. 0.4 cents. So half a penny per play. Yes, so we get, we get a half a penny. Is that called a hay penny? Yeah, man, Jesus We get Christ. a hay penny per strip. So can we please put their songs? We'll when a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. When you're going to bed, put them on repeat. I, a penny yeah, and a half per song. I habit, so let's uh, build up those stream numbers. <laughs> Fellas, that's awesome. God, 0.47 cents. Yeah, we need concerts back, man. We got to yes, get y'all. No doubt. All right, man. Fellas, thank you. Um, hopefully COVID allows you the ability to put this great music out there for people. And again, thank you so much for your time, guys. Really great getting to know you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. All right, fellas. All right. Thanks to Trent and the Trainwreck for coming on and letting people get to know more about them, their history, and the story behind their original music, which is out now. You can help them to earn just over one cent 
yes, that penny that you get back and immediately throw on the ground, they can earn that. You can put it in their pocket if you just stream all three of their songs through Spotify on your next ride to the grocery store or liquor store. And if you are a local artist with some songs that are original and would like to get on the pod, tell the story behind your music, just hit us up on any of our social. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You podcast. Please go to andrepsyche.com for some trippy merch that'll be worth checking out. And if you haven't already, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It is all one word, getting the number two, no, the letter U pod. The word of the pod, thanks to the professor, is coitus. Coitus is the word of the pod, spelt with a C, not a Q. Post that word, coitus, on any of our social media or tag the pod when you use it on yours and you'll get a shout out next time I record. Also, you still have time. Do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You podcast. We are on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are played. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. So to partner up and advertise, all you need to do is message us. See ya.